Hi everybody, welcome to FNS Wrestling Podcast, episode 72. I am your host back in the basement to talk about a week's worth of wrestling with my co-host and teenage son Jackson. Say hello, Jack. Minus one thing, because, well, kinda, because it sucks. What? NXT. Oh yeah, we did, that is true, we should update you on the new format, right? So tell them what we have cut out and what we changes we're sort of making. We cut NXT because it sucks and we replaced it with Impact because it sucks less. Yeah, and I'm probably still going to quickly, quickly, quickly run down NXT in the Any Other Wrestling Business section. So it's right. sort of flipping I things around a bit. did not watch it. I you watched a to... tiny bit, right? Because you had it on and I did not want to watch it at right. all. And so we're a bit late again this week. I apologize. My younger son had two basketball games today, which I am a coach for. So we were down in the top end of the big city, the big smoke as they call it in Toronto. He beat a team from Toronto pretty handily by 20 something and then they had a close game but they lost i think by nine to a team from st Catharines, who so they came super far but anyways a really good day and then we, and i made a custom character and you 2K. stayed home and had the house to yourself for several hours which is the dream right so lots yes. of video games still yep. in your pajamas which is a pretty solid day yeah not that you have pajamas but the clothes you sleep in shall we say yeah um, but yeah so that was pretty much my day and then tonight we found out that we are going to head down to like a party down the street with some neighbor friends of ours. It should yeah, be a... I learned of it fairly recently, like less than an hour ago. We are going to, I think it's an indoor and outdoor party, which is interesting because it's December in Southern Ontario. It's December. It's like, but I assume they'll have er, a, early, early December. They'll have a roaring fire outside, right? It's normally in our neighborhood, it, even though it's like kind of like suburban feel to it we got there. like one decent snowfall so far and yeah. then now it's, it's one of those periods where there's no snow really. and where we live it's totally normal just to have a raging fire in your backyard right you probably don't know this but that's not a normal thing in regular communities that are packed, uh. kind of because we're basically in like a subdivision right so in a lot of places yeah you, you don't but everybody here basically has a fire right. pit and that's how we roll so i'm sure that's how we'll survive outside tonight mm -hmm. or they might i think they have a propane heater too but anyways or i just won't go outside so it'll, I probably pro won't. it'll probably be all the kids inside doing whatever kids do and all the grown-ups outside doing what grown-ups do is usually what it gravitates to so that should be fun but uh so sorry we're a little bit late but we are still going to get it on a saturday haven't missed a saturday right in 72 weeks uh, that's pretty impressive. I think so. I want to say we might have missed Did one, we push one to a Sunday, maybe? I feel like we definitely did. We might have, but let us know if you're listening. Remind us if you remember that fact. But anyways, I don't know. I, if that's... you do that, will you win a special prize, TBD. Sure. A, D a DVD? TBD. Oh, TBD. Uh, no, I like my DVDs. To be determined. Uh, that's funny because yeah. it kind of ties into something in my news, which nice. means should we get into that now? Um, Yeah, I mean, nothing else new other than Advent Calendar started, so that's fun. Oh, right. So you've got your Lego one on the go. Yes. My favorite is that we got your brother who is obsessed with basketball. So your mother looked really hard to get him that Advent Calendar that's a basketball one. But clearly it's just made by some private individual. It's not an actual like licensed company one. So how many days is he in now? Four days in? You got but one basketball Only thing. one thing has been basketball. Basketball, related. piano, Winnie the Pooh, and Pinky. Yeah, so we got a basketball keychain, which makes sense. Then a crappy... It was green, though. Then a crappy little 3D printed piano I mean, for some reason. It looked fine, but it's a, it's weird. Then Winnie the Pooh figurine. Then a piglet figurine. So nothing basketball related. So now... Except for the one thing. The fun of it is kind of seeing like what kind of garbage he's gonna right, get right and then day. you got that lindor one but a friend of ours this little girl is loving all the little trinkets he's giving because he's just 
your mom's taking them to school for our friend Steve, Steve. to give to his daughter, right? So she's um, she's enjoying the advent calendar more than your brother is. But now I'm just kind of into it because I want to see... We were guessing out of 24 things, our prediction is four will be basketball related. Right. And um, another thing for me, it's um, it's now less than two weeks until Spider-Man No Way Home. Right, which you have so big plans cool. to see it yeah. 18 times or something. Three. Whatever. I like hyperbole. Um, you know that. Yeah. Um, but so me and my friends, like we pre-ordered tickets on Monday as soon as we could get them for the local place. Yep. And I don't know if anyone else's theaters uh, do this, but they do like um, recliner seats there. So that's why we usually go there and it's closer and cheaper. Heck but yes, closer and for the driver to get so, you there. So I don't know if you, if no, if people listening don't know, if you know, you know, but <laughs> you know, you know, it, this is like probably one the biggest movie of the year, I would say. Yeah. Like it's. If it's like that big Avengers Endgame, the three hour one, but like for Spider Man, I don't think it's three hours, but like Hope not. And it's so it's like super popular. And even here, like I'm I'm not sure how many people are going to see it, right? So we wanted to get tickets. Fair enough. And then I know my friend, he's already said he's going with his family the day after that we're going to see it. We're going on opening day, which is ironically the last day of school too, before the break. So that 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 kinda works out nicely. And then I'll probably I wanna try to maybe go with the one friend that I'm going with on opening day on the Sunday after, so two days after. Mm-hmm. And then I am in the process of tricking my aunt into taking me at some point on the Christmas break. And so we're hosting you and all your meathead friends here before the part, or that before the movie, true. right? So that's uh, fun. A pre-game? <laughs> yeah, pre-game. Pre-game, <laughs> order some pizza and you guys can do whatever you do. Yep. But um, so yeah, other than that, nothing. All right, well, let's get into talking about some wrestling because I assume that's what's people. That's what's people. That is what people are here to listen to. That's what's people are looking (laughs) forwards to. So our first segment will be talking about the week's news and rumors. And it looks like the ratings this week are in. And we've got Tuesday's Live War Games Go Home edition of NXT 2.0. I'm Which still going to do the ratings. all of. Out of curiosity. I did watch it all. It drew 637,000 viewers up just under 2% and earned a 0.15 in the key demographic, up 7% just over. So they drew their best audience since the Halloween Havoc special on October 23rd. So not that that was that long ago, but at least over a month, right? So... Slight gains for NXT this week, and we'll talk about the show later on really, really quickly, I think. Wednesday's live AEW Dynamite, they drew 861,000 viewers, so they were down just over 4% and earned a 0.31 in the key demographic, which stayed exactly the same as last week. So this week's Dynamite drew the lowest normal time slot viewership since May 19th, so that's not great. Mm -hmm. And the key demo uh, rating tied last week's show for the lowest also since May 19th. So NXT up a tiny, tiny bit and Dynamite down a small amount this week. Any news for you? It was a slow week. I only have like two things that aren't that interesting. Um, so a couple things. Well, <laughs> segue, speaking of not interesting, <laughs> yeah. Um, a couple things from the main roster. Um, so the WWE title match for day one, which will, is WWE's New Year's Day pay-per-view. Um, I keep forgetting all about that, I'm to be honest. Sh- I'm pretty and I don't sure feel like they're promoting it that much either. No, and it's such a basic name too, right? Like, it, yeah. it honestly feels like a name for like, um, you know, when they did like a Starcade, but it was basically like a televised house show, yes. like Smackville. Yep. It sounds like Smackville. something like that. Oh, remember, that was on my birthday, uh, 2019, remember? I remember you telling me, because I remember we were at like, uh, I think we were at Paul's. I remember I was watching Smackville. Right. Such a... Anyways, 
Um, so the W title match is Biggie Seth Rollins was Kevin Owens. Yes. Which that's a that's a pretty good like three way if you had to choose one. I mean, I would rather just Biggie and Rollins, but right. I, don't, I don't see the harm in throwing Kevin Owens in there, I guess. And then also Roman Reigns a week after he won the Battle Royal, Sami Zayn lost Roman Reigns in I believe it was like twenty one seconds. Oh great. Yeah, I he looked beat up before, so I think something with Brock Lesnar probably and then Roman Reigns just speared and guillotined him. Uh huh. Um, so they continued their great booking of people yes. on the main roster. And I remember they, um, con- they put a thing out on their Instagram, like, who's going to defeat Roman Reigns? And then I'm just like, freaking nobody, because they won't build anyone. But actually, there may be somebody, because Roman Reigns will be defending against Brock Lesnar, uh, at day one. And I'm, and for me, this is why I watch main roster every week, because I love seeing these fresh and new matchups. That is sarcasm. Yep. Yep. Very much so. Uh, that does not interest me whatsoever. No, me either, really. I'm sure we will watch it still because we like to suffer and... And I want to punch Brock Lesnar in the face. I wouldn't recommend it. No, He's but tough. I want to. Um, I have my lame news. One is Matt Hardy has teased a gimmick change for... Oh, that's good. ...for his big money Matt persona. That that might be good, actually. I'm not a huge fan of that. Well, it's his quote is, wrong. I plan on gearing more towards Matt Hardy going forward. It seems the AEW audience appreciates real, so I'll focus on being more authentic, which would be great. Oh, my God. Wasn't that, like, his thing? Remember when he was in that weird phase between uh, yes. Broken and then Big Money Matt? Yes. Remember he was, like... Ah, that's serious Matt Hardy. So we'll see where that goes. I do like more realistic stuff. So I hope that I'm on board. Not that I want to really. The difference is I don't like Matt Hardy. I'm kind of done with Matt Hardy as of 2021. Plus, I don't like either of the Hardys at this point. But if I had to choose the more interesting Hardy, I would choose Jeff Hardy. Uh, Yeah, I don't. I'm kind of done with both of them. But anyway, let's see what happens, I guess. And it could if it's weird because he has like a whole faction, right? So if he's changing his character, it's kind of interesting to see what'll happen with the faction but i guess we'll find out anything else Mm -hmm. um if i could i would cue the celebrate good times song but i cannot because beth phoenix is stepping away from nxt commentary effective after war games yeah i don't find like i like beth phoenix but i don't find she adds much in that role to be honest but i hate uh, pretty much all of the commentators in wwe but i probably hate her the most and to be fair again they are not they have people in their ear telling them what to say a lot so it's probably yeah, not but her she's fault just pretty bad at it too i think i don't know if she and were allowed to speak for herself i think it's kind of interesting that she's stepping away right after edge return on raw and was confronted by Miz and maurice oh, so you think she's coming up to the main roster for a it, it, i wouldn't i wouldn't match? put it beyond them especially because they got like the day one maybe they want to that, be. That'll be some sort of marquee kind of viewer drawing yeah. deal. She's better in the ring than on commentary, so... Not a high bar, but yes. Uh, my only other thing that I thought was really interesting is that Impact Wrestling released a VHS tape in 2021. Oh, I saw that, yes, of... Um, Slam anniversary, right? Yeah, so yeah. a quote, extremely limited collector's edition and double cassette VHS of the 2021. Double cassette, like it's like a two. Two VHS. Oh, like you can a. Only fit so much on one. Like a two DVD disc exactly. deal. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So Slam anniversary from this year. Um, and Which I, I think that's even a weird choice. I actually like clicked on the link and went into Impact, and it is already completely sold out. Now that sounds impressive, but it doesn't. We don't know how many copies they made, right? I think it's so funny that they if you just sold like, out twelve sh- copies, it's not that impressive. That's so weird. If it was thousands, that's kind of impressive. But anyways, uh, what else do you have? Um, so th- I think there was like there was going to be a Canada WWE tour. I think there was live tours. There I think, was. this month. Yes. 
And which I don't think we're going to... I was talking about it at lunch today with the other wrestling fan. Oh. The only other adult I know who's a wrestling nice. fan right now. Yeah. And then, so I think in January 2022, they were going to come for, like, Raw and SmackDown. Okay. Um, But I think that's been pushed to fall of next year. Interesting. I, I'm not sure if there's still that live tour. This I would go to a house show at this point. I think there is. If there was one And in the even if there isn't, there is. Like, I saw... I don't remember exactly, but I know, like, that... The aforementioned one I'm talking about is, like, it's a Raw and SmackDown and then a Super Show, which is what they're calling those right. um, live events now, the house shows. Nice. Any other news from you? Um, The Young Bucks uh, are ranked number one in the this year's, or this, the second t- PWI Tag Team 50. Can't imagine who else it would be. Yeah. Honestly. Uh. Right? Yeah. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So that makes sense to me. Good for them. Looking and forward to getting that <coughs> that issue. Sense. Right, and that's good for them because they've probably been the best tag team for years. Yeah. Like they were, I remember they always like voted as the top tag team, yep. but like they've only done tag team fifty, um, twice. And FTR was the top of the last one. I think number two in the last one was, I want to say I think it was Hangman Omega, and then I I know the Bucks had to be like top ten. I think so. Now they're. And they I know they I had it, a really good year. I know I say it all the time, and I don't even know why, but I don't want to like the Bucks. But, man, every match they have is entertaining. So what, yeah, what can great. I possibly say? And then, uh, finally, the the um, I, I think we mentioned a while ago, but Omega did vacate the AAA Mega title right. due to injuries. And so they've been working, AAA has been working on a replacement AAA title match, a yep. AAA Mega title match. Multi-man, and, right? Right. And so the the original challenger, El Hijo del Vikingo, is in the match. And so it's basically, it's a five-way for the vacant title. It'll feature Vikingo, um, Bandito from ROH, awesome. the ROH champion. If you haven't uh, seen Sam- him, he's great. Samurai Del Sol, FKA Kalisto. Good as and well. And AEW's Jay Lethal, and more interestingly, Bobby Fish. That should be, like, potential to be a really really fun match right, right. so i may um, try and find it and i find time. it interesting um the original backup plan for omega versus vikingo was uh would have been vikingo versus phoenix versus dragon lee versus laredo kid love dragon lee and laredo kid too. um and phoenix yeah me yo obviously and but it had to be changed to the five way due to other card obligations like uh, phoenix and penta were yeah. the tag champs but now they're facing ftr and Dragon Lee and the Red Kid are also busy in other matches. Nice. So I, I think the inclusion of Lethal and specifically Bobby Fish is kind of interesting. So mm-hmm. I, I, I might check that out. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I could probably check that out. I, I wouldn't mind seeing it. I can't imagine either of them win, though. I'm not even no, sure if Kingo will win. They're just there to fill it out and make it fun, probably. Maybe I could see Bandito winning. Maybe he would Kingo would be my... I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know if he's ready or not, but I hear great things about him. I've only seen him a couple times, and yeah. he's pretty impressive. But that is it. All right. Well, that's going to bring us to the end of news and bring us to the first wrestling segment, which is now, because we're doing them in the order they appear during the week until we get to any other wrestling business, then it doesn't matter. So that means we are now starting out taking a look at this week's AEW Dynamite. And our opener for this show is Brian Danielson taking on Dark Order's number five, a.k.a. Alan Angels. And it's because he's a hometown boy, right? Is that, yep. I think, that is correct. He seems he to is. be wrestling all the members in their hometowns, oh, it seems and like. And kicking their faces. So far, yes, he did. And remember he this. Kicking Col- 
Cabana's teeth out. Because this match they basically built, and I always say I hate when they build stuff online, but I happened to see a tweet Danielson sent, right? And I thought it was awesome. Something about that it was this uh, touching story that this guy was going to be wrestling in his high school gym and whatever, and Brian was going to go easy on him, but I can't remember. Um, he called Brian an asshole. Or something like that, yeah. So then he basically said that he was going to just take it out on him now. I thought it was really cool, actually. It was a, a fun way to sort of build a bit of interest to the match. Even though I complain about internet builds, that this one actually added a little something for yeah, me. Yeah, and it it was essentially another entertaining enhancement match involving Brian Danielson. Uh, and, wit- and it was good. Um, <laughs> there, uh, Towards the beginning, there's a brief back and forth. Corner tops and a leg kick followed by a crowd count punch from Angels. Uh, lefties, of course, because he is a lefty. That's correct. Like a weirdo. Uh, Brian <laughs> takes control and hits repeated knee drops to Angel's face. Uh, corner chops and kicks by Brian. Uh, who he kind of he seems to kick lefty, but then um, isn't like he's he's a right arm. Yes. So I, I find that kind of interesting. Yep. Uh, running corner drop kick by Brian. Uh, repeated corner uppercuts by Danielson. Uh, Angel's uh, counters an uppercut into a backside pin for two. Brian wins a back and forth by locking Angels in the Danielson special, which I only call it that because that's what's called on 2K. Right. Uh, it's essentially like a double underhook suplex into an arm bar. So it's a nice little It's move. cool. Yeah, it's a nice quick it, it's transition. It's just an arm bar at the end of the day, but it's a nice transition it into is. it. It is. It looks cool. Uh, rope step shock on dropkick by Angel sends Brian out of the ring. He falls to the low pace suicide dive and then a moonsault to the outside. He misses a top rope dive and the ring rolls through, but then is able to hit a standing Spanish life to um, a la Sammy Guevara. Yeah. Actually, it looked kind of similar to what Guevara usually does. It did. Uh, running knee by Brian, and he hits those repeated wrist trap stomps, and then locks in a snap knee bar uh, for the win. And then after the match, we get one of uh, Tony Schiavone's in-ring interviews. Yep. Um, which I think he's done like every week for Brian now. I want to say maybe not the maybe not after Evil Uno. There's definitely been multiple times for sure. I know he did last. I want to say it's been every week since yeah. this whole thing has started. Um, Brian sarcastically says it's hard to tell if he is ready because if that is the best Atlanta's guy, he whipped his ass and kicked his head in. He says last week he knocked Cole Kamen's tooth out or teeth out, and he and this week he tore Angel's ACL. And he says he hears there's a member of the Dark Order from Long Island and he will kick their head in two. He says in two weeks in Dallas, Texas, at Winter's Coming, where the Cowboys are from, that is where he takes Hangman's AW title and kicks his head in. And Hangman starts to walk down because he was on commentary for this. Actually, for uh, forgot to mention, they have a lot of guest commentators they on did. this show and next show. But I think it's to uh, fill the absence of JR, which I find odd because they don't. Oh, they don't usually do that. Cause I and feel it's like, very Ring of Honor because they've been obsessed with guest commentators. I don't, like I don't mind it here because they they made some good choices, and then also it's like they at least kind of have a reason to. Yes, right. I mean, I, I don't personally think they need to fill that spot yeah but at least it's relevant people right to the match that's happening yeah yeah. yep um and he starts to walk down but um tony khan did say that they would he would be fine if they uh, can't touch yeah right they can't touch for this show um silver reminds him of that fact but he can and that's what he will do silver runs down the ring but brian abandons the ring and says they can't touch this week but he would love to slap hangman in the face and fight but the people in the end don't deserve to see it right and in fact john silver will be the uh dark order member facing brian next week very interesting to see heel brian danielson right because he is such a amazing baby face but i think he's doing a great job as a heel as well um so I thought the match, first of all, that Danielson was wit, like more smug this week than he has been in the past with really good facial expressions, I thought, especially this near the beginning. This has been pretty sudden for the most yeah, part, but, but I think it's gone really well so Me far. Too. Yeah, he's doing great, honestly, because as much credit as he gets for being one of the 
the sport's best baby faces. He's a good but deal. But he's fantastic in either role. He is. And so this, for me, with Angels, it specifically seemed to be booked more appropriately than a lot of his matches, right? Like, Angels got in a couple flurries, but Danielson was dominant, right? And picked up a dominant victory. And I think that's how it needed to go. Because before... I think Angels is a really good wrestler. I'm not saying he's not. But the way he's presented within AEW, he shouldn't be competitive with Danielson right. or Omega like he was, right? right? So I thought this was a really appropriate use of him. I liked the match for what it was, like a dominant win for one of your top-tier talents. I don't think it's the choice I would make for an opener, although I'm not sure. I, don't, Look, I didn't mind it, actually. For it's like, just not as as a normal hot opener by Dynamite standards, right? I'm looking for a barn burner, craziness, competitive match. This wasn't that. But I think it definitely served its purpose, I think. I agree. And honestly, for Alan Angels to be able to wrestle Brian Danielson in front of his hometown crowd, like in his high school gym... That must have been, like, the biggest thrill ever. And I think I saw a post that he said something like, I have the best job ever or something, and it was just a shot of him across the ring from Danielson. So, yeah, I thought the match did its job. it's not like he's like, oh, they made him lose in his hometown. No. Because he wasn't going to... He's not going to beat Daniel Bryan's... Brian Daniel... Daniel Bryanson. (laughs) (laughs) Brian Danielson ever. That's worse than calling him Daniel Bryan. But to even just have a match with him, because he, like... He makes you look good. Danielson is revered, right? He's one of the all-time whatever uh, greats. So just to be in the ring with him in front of people you probably know must be really, really cool. Whether he's going to win or not, I don't think it matters. But uh, yeah, the match did his job. I'm fine with it. Um, and the the post stuff, I thought the crowd reaction to Danielson's heel interview was great. And that Brian's doing really nice heel work, like you said. Silver and, amused me quite a bit. Me too. And in this promo he got, he had, he had some heel logic, right? He hurled some insults. He backed down like a chicken from John Silver, which is good, and he antagonized Adam Page. So he did a whole bunch of stuff. He got a lot done at the beginning of this show, and most of it is like really simple, just classic stuff that works. When I added this to my notes, when the lines aren't scripted, right, and the performers can talk like actual human beings might talk instead of having a creative team write it for you in the most unnatural, ridiculous language so you sound stupid you have trouble reciting the lines and sounding like a good actor because it's not natural. It just comes off right. right? Or so like this it just is looks more unnatural or like it looks fake or right. acting. I don't know, whatever. So this works way better. I liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like this too. I thought it was a good choice for an opener. I mean, like it's not your ideal opener, but I think it was still a good choice. Um, they've been working these Brian versus Dark Lord matches very well, I think, because they've all operated as essentially enhancement matches, which I think they should. Yep. Because... I think each Dark Order member has made Brian look strong because he's got a, a solid victory every time. But each one's got a fair amount of offense. Like, That's Uno, right. Cabana, and Angels, I don't think they got ever got any more offense than they should. And no, if they I did, agree. it's like, it's not noticeable. Yep. And Angels got in some cool stuff here. I didn't know you could hit a standing Spanish fly, so that was kind of cool. That was and I nice. thought Brian's finishing offense was great as well. And that was well done. And the post-match stuff was good. I thought the way Silver said his stuff and his lines was funny. Because he's like, you can't touch Brian, but I can he's touch him. He's just a really engaging, entertaining he, guy. He's, right? he's a funny dude, yep, yeah. He is. So I thought his little thing was cool, too. I think the fact that he's, or that uh, Brian's running away from him is kind of funny. Cause yeah, he's, me too. he's like a little, he's a, a little boy. Yeah, exactly. But he's the chicken heel, right? So he's running away, and that mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, Next, we get a promo from Miro. He's in like this weird white. Yeah. It, it was different it's like and then so he's he's kind of the problem and there's the odd time where like it'll cut to him like screaming at the camera or whatever yeah like, it's like it's one of those kind of things it's you, almost like they just because his a lot of his promos do feel very much the same even though i think they're all awesome right but 
maybe it's just their way of making it a little bit different or it's like it's like when sitcoms and things used to flat or maybe they still do they flash to like you're in heaven or whatever right it's just this you're suddenly in this white space sort of thing so i don't know if that's what they're doing it, as he's because kind of yeah. he's speaking to his god right so i don't know I what think, i don't I, I feel like it works it was um, different yeah so he talks about being pushed out while he was looking for love and he says now however he will be feared he talks about what one does when his head and his heart are in direct conflict with each other and then he closes with the this these are the words of the redeemer right I mean. so i he made another reference to his neck being a glaring weakness, right? Like, which I really like because that's the story they've been telling. I don't understand how it started. Like, I know, like, he, like, Fuego targeted it, but I don't know why that's his weakness. Because I like, think that revealed that it was because he almost pinned the unpinnable Miro after a couple DDTs. So then I'm, everyone's I'm like, ooh. I'm trying to remember if he ever had a neck injury. Maybe. I don't know. But what his line was something about his weakness separates his head from his heart right because his neck is literally in between those two things so i thought that was a really cool line so it seems like he's kind of uh snapping here right he's hearing voices and having visions now so i don't know if there's something about he's gonna fix his neck but it seems like they're setting him up to be even angrier and more aggressive and i'm not sure what that would look like right because how does he get more aggressive and dominant than he already has been but i'm interested to see where they go for sure uh yeah, I thought I thought it was cool. I thought it was a little bit in her style, but pretty much the same. Not as much humor th- as sometimes. Yeah, um, I'm not sure where he's going now, but I'm I'm a little interested. I'm I'm a little interested to see. I guess yeah. we'll we'll see. Like, what does a more aggressive Miro look like, right? Like, I, I, where does he go from here? But it could yeah, be. Yeah, they were they were booked into a bit of a corner yes. in the tournament. I That's mean, right. it wasn't their fault because Mox had to do what Mox had to do. Right. But so he had to take a loss, and now he's gonna sort of rebuild, I right. guess, from there. He's only taken like really and two kill losses, people. yeah. I think, right? Yep. Um, both pretty major losses. Um, next we come to CM Punk versus Lee Moriarty, uh, with MJF on commentary. So that that's a good choice because MJF is good, and it's kind of related to Punk in um in a Hanukkah suit that like harkens back to I don't know if you would get this reference, but when Rockstar Spud was in TNA. So yeah, that's Drake, um, Maverick. Drake Maverick. He constantly wore like the loudest suits, and that's what this reminded me of. So a mm. Hanukkah, super loud, obnoxious Hanukkah suit by MJF, right. which fits perfectly. And for I thought, him. and this was kind of another one of those like solid kind of back and forth enhancement matches. Um, yeah, de- de- not, definitely not anything. more I was than a that. bit surprised by the way the action went down. Yeah, actually, but um, I'll let you describe. So it. there are some holds encounters at the beginning, obviously, as these typically go. A repeated shoulder box to cut in the gut in the corner by uh, Punk, followed by a single leg dropkick on Moriarty after he was rebounding the ropes. A uh, combo flurry by Moriarty ending in a not so impactful suplex thingy for two. And I thought I think so. I'll talk about it after, but like his offense is super hit or miss for me because I feel like that? sometimes he looks good. Punk, um, Moriarty. Oh, Moriarty, yeah. And then some of it, I'm like, eh. Like I don't know. I think he's generally good, but like I think some. His offense is kind of hit or miss. And MJF on commentary here at the beginning was all over Punk. It was about looking tired and haggard, right? And I, I don't think I thought Punk did look a bit tired here, so I don't uh, necessarily at, at think times. he was wrong. Yeah. Um, uh, Moriarty rolls through on a crossbody from Punk for a two count, and then uh, transitions into a crossface submission, and Punk eventually gets a rope break. Roundhouse kick by Punk after a back and forth pin battle. Moriarty ducks a hamlock lariat from Punk, and then actually hits one of his own, followed by like a weird single underhook falcon arrow thingy yeah i didn't two. know it looked cool i don't know what it was but um and the finish does eventually come when punk so he's got moriarty and like an inverted from face lock like uh you would have for like a dragon sleeper or an inverted ddt, DDT yep. or an inverted suplex or something he lifts him from that into a fireman's carry to hit the gts 
for the win, which I thought that was kind of a, a nice, different way of getting into it was. the GTS. Yep. Um, we get a post-match promo from MJF, because, of course, he will not let this go by without nope. speaking. Um, and MJF says, last week, Punk said he was disappointed in him. Um, and he says he is proud of Punk for having the balls to call himself the best in the world and struggle to beat QT Marshall and Lee Moriarty. <laughs> Fair. So I thought that was a good point. Yep. Um, I think at this point, it's obviously just like that's his nickname, but yep. I, I, I know what he's saying. Um, MJF makes some remarks about Punk and Britt Baker, referring to Punk putting on her jacket and like mocking her entrance after Diamond went off the air. I can't remember if it was last week or the week before, or maybe it was Rampage or something like that. Um, Punk says he has a lot of nerve talking about pants when MJF is wearing Larry David's pajamas, I think. Yes. Um, From Curb Your Enthusiasm. Great show. Mm. Um, he says MJF can talk about him struggling against Moriarty and QT, but they're better than MJF and he knows it. Ooh, catchphrase mockery. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, I guess they both kind of did that. Uh, he challenges MJF to come and fight him, and MJF says too bad, and he says Punk needs him, and Punk is like a moth to a flame because he makes Punk relevant like he was in 2011. Nice. And he says he will win the Dynamite Dozen Battle Royal in his hometown, and he will be better than Brett in Montreal and, oh, Punk in Chicago. And he says he thinks Punk brought his dog backstage, and he does bring that flea bag again. What a heel. Attacking an innocent <laughs> animal. He will put Larry to sleep, which is Punk's dog, which I thought that was a good line. Yep. Uh, what do you think of the match and the other thing? Uh, so the match I kind of have issues with, and I kind of had issues with MJF on commentary, because I thought Punk didn't look good, and I thought Moriarty looked really good. Like, they, Moriarty dominated most of this match, right, honestly? So And then MJF did such a good job of pointing it out, right, pointing out both of those things, that I came away almost feeling like I'd rather see MJF Moriarty, that that would be more interesting to me. Because I'm not the world's biggest Punk fan, right, as we've sort of talked about. I think about. his run's generally been, generally been good, but this is maybe a first misstep. So my fear is that all of MJF's criticism is leading us toward a Punk win because he's saying how Punk doesn't have it anymore and he's tired and whatever. So I I don't think that's the right move. I think you have to have MJF keep I winning. I think MJF after... is a great choice to finally beat Punk. I think he's And after a that good match with Darby to... Allen, like let him keep looking strong for a little bit. And Punk is supposed to be here to help people look good and put people over like the next generation, right? So anyways, I thought yeah, Moriarty... Yeah, actually do it. This was my favorite Moriarty match because I'm kind of like you. I've seen him sometimes where I'm not impressed. I thought he looked really good here, but I'm not sure I like this as part of the overall Punk MJF story. And then the the aftermath, the promo, I thought MJF was right about a lot of it, especially the in-ring work, right? Like he did barely beat QT right. Marshall and, Mor- and Moriarty. So I thought the exchange, the back and forth was good, but a little bit too long. And I think AEW needs to just be careful that they're not overexposing this storyline specifically, right? Because it's just been a 20-minute promo last week, a match with him on with MJF. To be on fair, co- the last the one last week was, was awesome. awesome. But then we've got him on commentary and an interaction afterward, and I thought Punk looked sweaty and out of breath after a, not a very long match. So I against Lee Moriarty. I don't know if this helped the feud for me really. I came out thinking almost I'd rather see MJF Moriarty, but I did like because the Britt Baker callback is. Remember, Punk said that. MJF has been replaced at one of the, as one of There's the pillars too, right? by Britt Baker. So I think that's why he's like, oh, you love Britt Baker so much. You're trying to suck up to her because you want her sort of thing. Was it what he's saying? So I like that. But anyways, um, yeah, that's kind of how I felt about things. Mm-hmm. What about you? Um, I thought it was a fine match. I thought Punk looked fine, a little more tired, like you said. I thought Moriarty looked solid, I think, because some of his offense is good. But then some of it, I just like, I'm like, eh, it doesn't like it doesn't look super impactful sometimes. Yeah. Uh, Punk, the the new lift up in the GTS I thought was kind of cool, a different variation. And post-match, the post-match stuff was pretty good, probably better than the match. 
Um, I'm wondering if we'll probably get this at Winter's Coming, or maybe they'll hold off until the New Year's uh, show. Yeah, could be. I don't know either. We'll mm. see. But it seems like they sure are going to deal with it every week for quite a bit on Dynamite. Mm-hmm. Um, so next we go to a Britt Baker interview. Um, Baker says it was discussing what Tony Khan did to her on Rampage, and now Riho has a title shot. I know, I'm disgusted too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hater says she had one of the best matches in TBS tournament, and Baker mentioned she lost. And Hater kind of snaps back by saying Baker lost last time against Rosa too, which is that was kind of interesting. Decent point. Um, Baker says Hater will face Riho next week, and there's anything left of Riho, she can have her title shot. She signs off with DMD. And my first thought was Hater versus Riho. Woohoo. Right. And it's funny because that match that Break Baker and Thunder Rosa had kind of made Britt Baker, but it's forgotten that she didn't win, right? Like, right. she came out the star from that match for sure, but she didn't even win. Um, I thought this was fine and nothing special. For me, the last couple weeks, um, I'll come back to it. Ever since, like, Full Gear, I think there's some issues going on. But Britt's been missing a bit of her edge for me the past couple weeks. I think she needs a legitimate contender to focus on and build something with and cut promos on, right? And again, the tease of like tension between her and Hater, I don't really care, right? Like No, but I thought it was kind of well done here. I like, didn't I, 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 I don't thought know. It was good. There's something missing for me from Brit the last couple weeks. Like she's always going to cut a pretty good promo, but I don't find when she's, she's focused on someone specifically, off. I find that like MJF, <laughs> right? That's when she's at her best. So until they get her in a program with somebody, and being in a program with Riho is not going to help because Riho can't respond well, to anything. And it's clearly a short program. Right. Like, I, unless they're facing off at Winter's Coming, I guess. Even then, that's I don't I don't see it as a major feat. Me either. So Britt was solid as usual. It's just, I don't know, there's something missing the last couple of weeks for me. Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was fine. Um, pretty standard for Baker nowadays. Um, I didn't mind the slight tease of tension between Hater and Baker. I can't say I care too much, and it's, it's it feels a little soon. I'm pretty sure like they joined up, and maybe I want to say it was like August. And haters so nowhere near Baker's level, right? So what it's what's it gonna be? They have a match. Britt Baker has to win in dominant fashion. Like there's no suspense there for me. Yeah, at Baker's all. not on her level. And who's gonna turn babyface? Neither one of them are very. You know what I mean? If that's the I case, I guess Baker's pretty popular. But yeah, I don't know. So it doesn't I, really I interest like me actually. Um, next we get. I don't, know, I don't even know what to call this, but so Adam Cole comes out, uh, he does his whole entrance, and then walks to commentary. Yeah, that's right. He got a full entrance. I thought he was doing an interview, and I was like, oh, yay. He starts walking back nope. up the ramp, and I was confused. Yeah. And so then he goes to commentary, and then Orange Cassidy comes out, for presumably for a match. But then they have a stare down, Cole and Cassidy. The box go for a sneak attack, and then Cassidy turns around, hits the kicks of doom until a low blow from Cole in the box. The Bucks mock him with, like, the... Like the mock kicks, but like instead super kicks, right. and then actually hit, hit super one. kick him, and then Chuck Taylor and Wheeler Yuta chased them off of chairs as they were going for the triple BTE trigger. So again, you let your buddy get beat down for a little while, right? Like I, that kind of bugs. Oh, me maybe sometimes. they had to find chairs. They were in the washroom or something. Like I don't know, but anyways, uh, this didn't do much for me. This feud seems kind of forced to me, and again, it's two groups that are nowhere near the same level, right? So I I don't know. Best friends don't really feel like a legitimate threat here to the super click or the super elite or whatever you want to call them. This it, is the super click. And it's definitely like a step back for the super click right after the program they were just in. So I don't know. I've got some issues post um, full gear, to be honest, mm. at this point. Yeah, I think Omega's got a big void. He's yes. left a big, big void. Yep. Um, I thought it, it, it confused me because I thought Cole's doing a problem and he did of 
because he did a full entrance and he went to commentary and the North Cast came out. So I was like, oh, it's probably like Cassie versus Bobby Fish or something. Right. Which I was like, oh, okay, That's cool. That's fine. And then it turned into what just happened. And I don't get it. I thought it was fine and all, but it was just really weird. I agree. Just kind of forced a little bit to me. Yeah. Um. So then we get a quick promo from Tony Nice. Yep. Uh, sticking with the premier athlete gimmick. He is. Um, he says Guevara does not deserve to be TNT champion. He says on Rampage, they'll put the TNT title on a premier athlete. He says Guevara learned what happens when he gets in Nisa's face. And if he thought that that attack was bad on Rampage, he tells Sammy to wait until Friday. Um, what'd you think? I actually like this. It was simple. Nice came across as a serious, like legitimate threat and the match could be good. Um, I kind of like that he's doing the premier athlete thing because it's like they're taking their gimmicks from WWE and going, here's what would happen if you did it better, right? Like, I do kind of like that, right? It's Alistair not like Black's they're just ripping that, them off. Malachi Black's doing that. Ruby Soho's kind of doing that. Like, her gimmick doesn't seem much different. So um, it doesn't feel cartoonish and hokey like it did in WWE, right? Like, already he just seems like a real person who is a bit arrogant and cocky and immediately wants to come in and challenge a champion. So I was I was totally fine with this. Mm-hmm. Um, I like this is the first time for Nisus. I haven't seen him yet. All the stuff he's done is on Dark and whatnot. Right. Although it doesn't say much for him that he's facing Guevara on Rampage when all of Guevara's previous defenses have been on Dynamite. Yes. It's not that big of a difference because it's not like Rampage is a super small show, but I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah, and I, I don't think Nice like, cuts an amazing promo, but they kept it simple here, and I think he did a good job. Yeah, I think it was pretty good. And then we get Wardlow versus AC Adams. <laughs> Adam Cole Adams. This will take a while to summarize. Uh, yeah. Powerbomb, powerbomb, powerbomb. <laughs> yeah, a club and clothesline by Wardlow and then four powerbombs for the win. And then after the match, <laughs> Sean Spears just beats on the jobber with a steel chair for no reason. That was kind of funny, right? But <laughs> that was pretty funny. There was, it was weird because there was nothing after this. It was just over. Like you're expecting, all right, it's more about the story after the match than the match. Nope. It was just an absolute squash of all squashes. And then I, I was disappointed Wardlow didn't do the corner finisher that he has because I really like it. But I don't know. It, it was a squash. It was fine. I don't have much else to say. Yeah, um, it was literally just a squash match, so like you said, I don't really have much to say, but I thought Spears just wailing on the jobber with the chair after when it was he's dead. super funny. He's already like, yeah, dead. Yeah, he just got killed by four power bombs, yeah, and funny. then he just starts wailing on him with the chair. I thought that was really funny. Um, and then we get a quick interview with Penta and Pac. Where's Phoenix, you may ask? Uh, Pac will be replacing Phoenix in that two or three falls match on Rampage, doing an injury to Phoenix because they can't just not injure him. Right. Uh, Penta says they would have loved to be FTR twice, but since Phoenix is injured, they have the best ally in Pac. Uh, Pac says that he is good to fight despite missing his eye. He is wearing an eye patch. And they sign off with the Sarah Mieto. Uh, yeah, I thought this was solid. I thought Pac was really good responding to Tony Schiavone getting super intense there for his little bit. But, I mean, there wasn't much here. I thought it was solid. I'm fine with it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was fine. I'm a little disappointed that's not Lucha Bros versus FTR, but, um... Pack is by no means a downgrade. No. Um, so I, I think it works out pretty well either way. Yeah, the match should be awesome. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and I feel like this is the one combination of the Death Triangle we haven't really seen. So remember, Pack and Phoenix teamed for a little bit. Yeah. They did face the Bucks, right? Right. I think they the unmasked Phoenix to win. But now we get to the battle of the two undefeated teams. Oh, my God. And yep. If you want to guess who the two undefeated teams are and you picked good tag teams, you would be wrong, as it is Sting and Darby Allen versus the Gun Club. Of course, represented by Old Man Billy and weird-looking Colton. Old Man Um, Billy. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, 
the fact that these are the two undefeated teams in AEW disgusts me. Gun Club have been on Dark forever, though, and the fact that Sting and Billy Gunn are going to face off in any match in 2021 is sad and disgusting, too. And other than being a little more cocky and doing some sneak attacks, what makes Gun Club so heel and unlikable? Like, I, I mean, they're not like I don't like them, but no, it's not because like, they're heels. It's right. just because I don't care. Right. And I mean, sure, they attacked Paul White a little while ago, but I see that as a favor. And nice. if anything, that's <laughs> right. a good thing. That's endearing. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> they still suck, though. It doesn't make them heal. They have always sucked. And so my description was uh, B-O-R-I-N-G, a tag match between a talented future star stuck teaming with a 60-year-old goth versus a tag team star of a bygone era and his not-so-talented son accompanied by the slightly more talented son. Yikes. Shots fired. Yes. I don't like you, Sting. <laughs> um, notables, there's not a lot. Nope. Um, brief back and forth between Darby and Colton until Billy and Sting tag in. Yay! Um, and Darby does have like the full face paint because he's teaming with Sting. So it's Gotta like, have the, the full face thing. paint to sell for half the match. Right. It's important. And I think <laughs> Darby Allen with the full face paint is really unnerving. Yeah. I don't know, it's just, it was weird. It just looks weird. Um... Sting is the better Billy until he backs out of the ring. Uh, Gon catches a dive from Darby and his big slam thing. Gon called Boris all by methodically beating on Darby. Colton locks in a scorpion death lock on Darby in front of Sting. Almost as bad as Sting, too. So, it was. Good for him. And a Sting hot tank. Whoop, whoop. Yep. Exciting. Uh, Austin Gunn lands a cheap shot on Sting, and then Darby hits a suicide dive and landed bad. But he did survive, so I, he's okay. It was so bad that I was like... Oh waiting to see him reappear, right he like right? crumpled on the ground and when just... his face popped up uh, i was like okay he's alive <laughs> right, at he's... least right um a famous thing for two and the finish comes with the scorpion death drop for the win of course darby allen does not look good here he does not get the win of course it is sting gotta make your new stars look good yeah i'm glad darby was okay after that suicide dive it looked bad and i mean i don't know how many people need to hurt themselves or almost hurt themselves he, on suicide dives like... before we sort of dial them but back I a think... little bit it's pretty much like he his, he puts a suicide and suicide dies. He does. So. He and um, Escobar too, right? Like theirs are crazy. Um, so I don't know, man. This match was just okay. The flurry near the end was kind of fun, but watching I Darby. I mean, it a- beats last week, I think. Watching Darby Allen take a beating from two not so talented guys to set up a sting hot tag is not my idea of entertainment, right? So I. I'm hoping this this angle, whatever this is, is over. I mean, but to, fa- to be fair, you have said that there's a right way to use Sting. This is not it. And no, I didn't. I don't think it is. I right think there's it. few right ways to use Sting, but this is definitely not it. I didn't really enjoy this. This fe- felt like it didn't belong on Dynamite to me, to be honest. But I wouldn't even I put this on Rampage. Uh, this went as expected, and it was quite boring. I did not want or need to see this, and I stand by this opinion. Um, it wasn't the worst match ever, but it was far from good or interesting. I, I mean, I guess it beats last week, but, like, I don't want to see Sting wrestle. I don't want to see Billy Gunn wrestle. I don't even want to see Billy Gunn's kids wrestle, but they're at least young. And I do not want to see Sting wrestle Billy Gunn, but that I got all of the above here. And I don't need to see Darby Allen just getting worked over by two people that wrestle on the I internet I mean, sure, he's good taking offense, but that's, but like, I feel like it works for me. And how did he go from having, like, a match of the year contender with MJF to facing Billy Gunn? Right. Literally, like, he just went right to facing I'm Billy you, Gunn. telling you, the reset after full gear is problematic at this point. Yeah, I'll talk about it later. It's somewhere. a little weird. I think Hangman's the only survivor. Hangman and Danielson are probably the I just don't survivors. want it to be like the Hangman era is not that interesting. That's what I'm worried about, right? But anyways, I think it's we'll been talk good, about it though. later. Yeah, we'll see. Um, it's next to get Chris Jericho interview because uh, not a week goes by where he's not on the show. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's to set up him not being... Anyways, go ahead. He, I don't think he's going to be there for a while. I hope so. That was the point of this. Uh, Jericho says he didn't come to Kingston's Day, but he wanted to take out 2.0. I think something happened on 
the uh, internet ram- rampage <laughs> oh on rampage yeah i uh, missed it this I week i don't i don't watch rampage a lot i will we will this week or where we did this week i usually check out some of it even if you're not around i'll check yeah, out a bit because uh this one is the we they had the two or three falls match right um he keeps talking and gets ambushed by garcia and 2.0 uh garcia and 2.0 beat up jericho morris as they told him to watch his map um so my understanding is that he's on tour or something with fozzy and he wasn't actually even there this week that this was taped last week and that he's already gone. Sweet. So it's to explain, I think, Jericho's absence, it looks oh, like. Oh, but so, then that means he's going to be back to attack them. I thought the beatdown was actually pretty good. And it makes 2.0 looks a li- look a little more vicious and a little less like comedy mid-carders, right? Which is interesting. I thought the first bump Jericho took into the storage box looked really, really weak. Like he basically just kind of eased himself into it. But the rest of the beatdown was pretty good. And if it gets Jericho off TV, he needs to sort of... I have Jericho fatigue at this point as well, so I'm okay with uh, 2.0 looking a little vicious and Jericho being gone for a little bit. Yeah, I, I didn't even really think about that, but I, I agree 2.0 looked a little better. It was fine. It was super brief. I just really hope this isn't super prominent or long, because I really don't need another faction feud involving Chris Jericho or whatever this shaping up to be. Jericho needs to wind it up and ring sooner or later, I think. Like, it, it's just... He doesn't have much to offer. I hate to say it, but he just doesn't have a lot to I've offer I've just anymore. found his promos lazy lately, His too. promos haven't been as good. Because my, oh, my defense of him was, even when like his in-ring was slipping a bit, when he was a heel, he was funny. He was like, yes. he he had some good like zingers and whatnot. Now like, they're just almost like, like I'm now he's just like... Juvenile, he's, immature, simple, right, low-hanging juvenile, fruit. It's just everything about him is kind of boring now. Like yeah. I, That was my one defense of him. That's kind of gone. So uh, yeah, he's going to be gone for a bit, but I, I, like there's, it's obviously going to... This isn't just over. I think he needs to transition into like a management position, like manager, heel manager, whatever. I don't know. But anyways, he'll be gone for a bit, it looks like. Yep. Um, next, we have Taz on commentary. And Taz says multiple members of Team Taz are in the Dynamite Dozen Battle Royal, so they have they will 100% win it. Mm-hmm. Um, Leo Rush's music hits, which I don't love compared to his WWE theme. I think his WWE theme was I can't perfect. remember. Uh, I only remember. I remember because I remember, and then also because 2K. <laughs> I remember because I remember. Yeah, and then also that, it's, sir, in, it's is also an in, eloquent turn of phrase right there. <laughs> it's also in 2K, so it's it's a pretty good one. Um, Rush says Taz is a commentator, and he should know Rush, and he no, he has had the odds against him his entire career because he's short. Oh, short jokes. Uh-huh. Uh, I he didn't say that, but I decided to say that. Um, he says he thinks it's crazy that Taz thinks he has a 100% chance to win the Battle Royale because that implies he has zero chance. He says he is a fighter and everyone knows that. He says he won't go down without a fight, even if with a 1% chance. And then Starks and Dante Martin uh, walk out and stare down Leo Rush. So Leo Rush has completed his face turn here, I guess, right? This In was a matter of two weeks. So that's why I'm kind of finding this weird. He did get the crowd on his side briefly here. Um, the Taz comment that Leo should just retire is funny because Leo has retired twice. Sep- I want to oh, say it's, it's been twice. I, wanna, I think it's like four times. Po- Anyways, it's this idea that Leo keeps retiring and coming back, which is kind of funny. So I thought it was a good interaction to clearly establish the rules in this program because this program seemed to kind of come out of nowhere for me and, and maybe even like skip a couple steps in development. So they're trying to like catch us up really quickly, it feels like. I like Leo Rush as a heel. But his in-ring style, right, is pretty hard to re- root against. He's and got a I very baby he, face style. He works with the face. Cause remember when he returned in 2019, he worked in the yeah. NXT Cruiserweight division, and then that, that was baby face. So I think he, he can work either. I just find this story is kind of 
weird and they're just settling into the roles now because I don't understand. It is a little weird. I, I don't understand why Dante Martin became the heel and Leo became the face when the whole first part of this was like Leo was the heel and I really think yeah it should have been reversed. Dante was the reluctant. He's going along with the heel, okay, but he's a baby face. My fantasy booking here would be maybe like that they're using Dante and then maybe eventually rush joins i don't see how that would work but i would like for somehow yeah they turn on dante except russian because i think rush might fit the billing of the that group pretty well although he doesn't need tasks to speak from um, to be fair neither does ricky starks no um and then Dar- dante martin faces and then maybe that's when darius returns i don't know i don't know if they'll do that or how they will do that but i would like for them to do that yeah it feels like they kind of shift shifted plans here or something i don't know it feels like they missed some steps but anyways it's fine yeah the storyline's been a little shaky but i kind of liked it because it was a solid short segment but because i kind of liked it because it kind of fleshes out the field for that battle royale next week because it's battle royals are always better when there's like a few storylines running through it and I think this is a pretty small battle royal, but this is at least like a, it's it's a, something involved in that match. And it also potentially gives Rush a line of opponents to go through in singles matches. That's true. similar to Brian Daniels in the Dark Order. In this case, I feel like the end match would be uh, Martin versus Rush. And selfishly, I was just really enjoying Rush and Martin as a tag team, and then that was just yanked away from us, right? Without with what they got one match together, two, two, and it was like, oh, this is cool. I, this think, could I be, thought both of them were great, yeah. Right, and then it's just gone. So I don't know. I question this, but I'll see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt, Absolutely. of course. Because it's AEW, not WWE main roster. True. Um, next, we get a promo from Jade Cargill and Mark Sterling backstage. Uh, Sterling congratulates Rosa on advancing, but asks if she thinks she has a shot against Cargill. He says they put out an open challenge for Rampage, and it was answered by Janai Kai. Who's a student of Rosa. Uh, Thunder Rosa, yeah. apparently. Yeah. Uh, random person. Uh, Rosa walks in and says she'll be on commentary for the match because JR is still gone, so that she's going to commentate. Yeah, that's interesting. And shouts in Spanish and walks off. Um, what'd you think? I thought it was okay. I, I thought Thunder Rosa at the end, just like very animated, just rambling in Spanish, right? Made her kind of look a bit silly, I thought. Um, And I don't know, Jade walking away to me is not consistent with what we know of her so far, No, Rosa right? did. No, Jade walked away. What? No, I thought Yeah, Rosa did. stood there and kept talking and Jade just left. Oh. So I don't, that seemed a little inconsistent that she's walking away from somebody. But anyways... I'm not sure we needed this segment at all, so I I don't know. It just felt like it was kind of there, I guess. Mm. Um, yeah, I thought it was fine. I don't mind a bit of a build from the tournament match, but this was just kind of there. And I don't know. I, I have no idea who Rosa's student is because I have never heard me of either. her. No, and me either. This is not. Although, I guess it, that's going to make me want to tune into Rampage for sure. Not the other title matches. That's right. This is going to make me tune into Rampage. And speaking of builds to tournament matches, oh, right? Oh, yes. The, the tournament match that somehow managed to get three consecutive segments. Right. Three for, separate weeks, right? Yep. Three consecutive weekly segments. So it better be a barn burn. Uh, and Chris Statlander versus Ruby Soho, TBS Championship Tournament Quarterfinals. This is the last match in the quarterfinals. Uh, winner of this match faces Nyla Rose, and the other match is obviously Cargill versus Thunder Rosa. Yep. So this will come. This will round out the semifinals in an entertaining and competitive TV match. Mm-hmm. Uh, we always start with some hold encounters, which tends to be the narrative. But there were quite a few here. Yep. Yep. Um, a handstand by Satlander out of a monkey flip from Soho. Cool. Uh, diving senton by Soho for two. Um, Statlander counters a wheelbarrow bulldog from Soho and a blue thunder bomb for two, which I thought that was that mm-hmm. was really nice. Um, and an, another nice uh, sequence was so uh, Statlander tries to lock in that uh, 
spider crab, which is a cra- Boston cool. crab, but yep. then she's also holding the arms. Yeah, picking them up. I think off it's, the it's a really cool submission. It is. Um, but and so Soho is trying to fight that, and Statlander turns that into a deadlift up into a buckle bomb, and then a spinning fisherman driver for two, which I thought that was a really it nice was sequence. Cool. Um, a poison rana and then a basement her spike her rana by Soho for two another nice little sequence. Thought so too. Eventually the finish comes in Soho uh, gets a victory roll countering Statlander's Big Bang Theory move of the win and then a brief post match attack from Nyla Rose until just Statlander just to soften up her, her opponent right. That yeah. is the lingo. Uh, so I thought this started out really slowly with a lot of holds encounters and a couple of spots that were a little bit not totally clean for sure. Things picked up when Statlander started hitting her. She's got some unique power offense, right, in this division for a few near falls. And then I thought Ruby's flurries there that you sort of outlined were really good too. The finish, I guess, leaves the door open for a rematch at some point, And I think that would be fine. So Statlander, man, I'm torn because I really like her offense. But I think she needs a lot of polish in other areas like selling and timing and just sort of... The gimmick. She looks like she's standing and waiting for things to happen sometimes and she doesn't really know what to do in those moments. She's but definitely her, incomplete. And her offense is really cool though because she's just a strong woman who can do some things that other women can't, right? She can toss the other women in this division around. She can do around. that pendulum insult too. And she, yeah, so I think her offense is cool. It's just all of the other sort of like things that wrestling nerds like us notice right still need a little bit of polish but i thought this ended up being a solid tournament match there were some issues early on i thought and i I wouldn't be necessarily disappointed if she ditched the whole alien shtick yeah i mean she doesn't lean into it too seriously anymore as much as she used to i don't think it lived up to the hype of three weeks of segments leading up to it but i thought it was a pretty fine match by the end i i liked it quite a bit i thought it was pretty good oh i thought both of these two are pretty good in the ring i mean Salander's not quite rounded out yeah but i thought they both did good here there's some really nice sequences and some cool spots i think the finish was pretty well done as well like a a, a good roll of finish yep. so to speak the aftermath was quick but worked to add a little heat to that semifinals match yeah it's just a reminder of who they face next and that she's a vicious heel right so i, I was okay with that too and i've definitely been condensing my notes because it feels like this has gone fast as we arrive at our main event already yeah we, um you have i like the the amount of coverage mm-hmm. of the moves and stuff i think is on point right. i was gonna tell you that off mic Good but to i'll know. say it now um, Andrade El Idolo versus Cody Rhodes in an Atlanta street fight. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff in this one, that's for sure. Yeah, the one time I called it a street fight, and I forgot to mention that it was in Atlanta, because that makes all the difference, right? In a street fight where one guy wrestles in a shirt and tie, which is interesting. Which, I mean, that's fair to be street attire, because what if he's wrestling after I suppose, work? I guess right? so. Gets after, in a fight after on, a business meeting. On his way home from the office. Right, after like a board meeting or something, yeah. Cody comes in his big flashy ring gear. And Possible. Cody's back looks super weird. What is that, you ask? It's flame retardant. Yeah, Why would like, you need that? Good question. It's because it's, it's like, oh, it's it's like a sunburn that's peeling off. That's what it looked but like. But then like, it was like really, peeling really too bad. much. It yeah. looks so weird. It was honestly distracting for a it bit. It was. It was. Because it's hard to focus on anything else. At the time, when we didn't know. When his back just looks so weird. And when we didn't know what it was, right? And we're just trying to think about what could that be. Like, I mean, why I had that... seen the f- final spot already. But like even then, I didn't know what that right. was. So I was I was so confused. Yep. And I love the second Cody's music hits, he gets booed. I yep. just, I love that now. It's just... It, amuses me it makes me he is happy. the he is the cena now right because he's getting the dueling chance as the match is but happening. i love the thing that you came up with where like a, it's like almost a reverse heel yes. kind of thing and i think that works perfectly and if that's what they're doing they are 
incredibly smart. It's very, very meta. Him trying to so hard to be a and baby even face. Even if people is, don't even notice that, that's it, even it's better. It's actually him being a heel. Right. He's being a heel by not being heel. So right. it's, like, it's like a reverse heel kind of thing, yes. right? It's I think that would be great. Deep stuff. And I thought it was another solid no DQ and style match from AW. Do you have a few more notables, obviously, because it's. It was oh, quite yeah, an action packed match. They, there's tons mm-hmm. of stuff going and on. And so, as Cody is making his entrance down, Andrade, who already has entrance, runs up the ramp to attack him. We get your average crowd brawl with Cody's back, just looking so weird. Yeah, did, really, at th- that's the it, point. That I was, really that was when I noticed it. I was just like, what is that? Yeah, I like, was very distracted. It was like too flaky to be a sunburn, but that was like our best theory. And then it was just like, you, you. I think you looked it up, right? Yeah, like, I was reading something and it said that you, they were, they were distracted by the retardant, and I was like, ah, there yeah. you go. It looks so weird it did um andrea drops cody face first on the upside down ring so looked good i thought that was kind of yeah cool. he took it really well uh i'm surprised i didn't he tried to didn't try to extract his eye and it was right on the corner so it looked good yes. yeah <laughs> and that's the difference right like that's where you're getting into cartoon just silliness that aew won't engage oh, in and i appreciate it that that feud man oh mm-hmm. that feud um t-pain he's Someone. A guy. Yep, he is a, a guy. rapper guy, I think. I think that is correct. Probably. Yep. Um, who is in the front row? Uh, hands Cody a steel chair, which he uses to beat on Andrade. There's the one part where Cody's like about to take his weight belt off, and then Andrade attacks him. I was like, go on, buddy, throw it in the <laughs> crowd. The new trend is going to be to have it thrown back, I think, yeah. <laughs> uh, part of me would want to keep it because I'm like, cool souvenir, but then the other part of me is like, ew, it's Cody. Um, Andrade whips Cody with said weight belt and hits Cody with Jose's laptop, which he had in like a sack. Or uh, a bag with it smashed pockets. Pretty good. Yes. Um. There's this really cool move where so Andrade puts a chair on top of Cody, right? And so he's standing on the top of him. He just drops and then hits this really like snaps, but like a moonsault. It was awesome. Cause like right, he's just like standing on the ropes good. and then he just like he just drops down. I was like, oh my god! And then he just he did, he ended up doing a moonsault. I was just like, that was awesome. It was cool. And so that got a nice two count. Uh, chain assisted punch by Cody. Um, Andrade comes to suicide dive by throwing a chair at Cody. Uh, Jose runs out with a taser, but hits him with a shovel. He buried him. Ah. The gold shovel? Uh, running corner, double knees to a seated Cody, who had a chair in front of his that face by Andrade crazy. for two. That was pretty nice. Yeah. The sound. The sound really helps. Andrade gets going so fast, and right. yeah, the impact The sound awesome. just... It, it, that's that's part of what does it for me. Yep. Uh, Andrade leaves Cody on a table in the ring. Cody attacks Andrade on the top rope. They battle. And to make things better, just kidding, uh, Brandy Rose appears for some reason because things were going horribly without her, right? Yeah, we missed her. The crowd I, just missed her so much. Yep, yeah, and they love both of them. I uh, and, the, and she lights the table on fire. Why, yep. you may ask, for Cody to take a giant back bump from it. Just kidding. It was an inverted superplex through the faming table for the win. Look, Cody does take like almost all of the 98% bump. 98% of it was and Cody. And he's like, like when he's pinning on Dry at first his arm is still on fire. And I don't and so Andrade didn't really take any of that, but he's like the his, one that gets his face pinned. took it, but yeah. like it wasn't even a very good pin either. No. Um so to me, like this type of match I reserve these matches for people who either aren't amazing wrestlers, right? Because you can sort of hide that fact when they're hitting each other with stuff, or as part of some lengthy bitter feud where it necessitates this kind of match, which I'm not sure I feel that's the case yet. Well, Cody did get his win back, so that's that the important true. thing. So I would rather watch these two in a regular match or a two out of three falls or something where they actually get to work because they're pretty awesome. So there were a few cool spots in this for sure that that looked pretty pretty cool, but I was also bored for stretches of it because plunder matches or whatever you want to call them are not generally my favorite these guys worked hard for sure like there's no doubt about Although, that i'm not sure if like i like you said i don't think the 
flaming table i think that's a little I much a bit much for me too I, like and it's not even like this was like the most extreme match ever well and i think like brandy's inclusion felt like this was an ego display because i think they think that this is some big deal that she comes out nobody really cared right they were hoping for some ridiculous reaction and there was kind of a mild one I'm brandy rhodes i'm not gonna oh say God. there was no reaction but it's like them going oh because they just this is just me saying this i don't know obviously but it's like their ego they think that they are more popular than they actually are and that oh this is going to be a a big return she's going to come out with a hoodie and i feel like they should have enough self-awareness to know that no one would care considering cody's recent responses from the crowd the table spot felt completely unnecessary andrade took almost none of it but still got pinned which i don't like yeah. So some fun parts to this, a decent main event, but I'm not a big fan of this, to be honest. If I, if it was like a, a, I'm grading this match, it's like, I don't know, B minus kind of match. Like, I didn't I, love it. I, that's fair. I think it could fit in the B range, but I, either of those work. Yep. Yeah, that's fair. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. It didn't start out the best of the crowd brawling and the ending was fine. But once it got going, I thought it was pretty good. I think there were great some great spots. I think. There were a few um, really good spots. Uh, I guess the the finish could be counted as one. Andrade definitely hit some great offense. That moonsault, just that, I don't know. That yeah, was really that cool. That and the run, the chair into the face in the corner. Even the the oh, chair thrown into him on the moonsault. Yeah, I good. forgot to mention that. He went for like a moonsault the one time and Cody like threw a chair um, up threw at a him. Threw a chair at him, right? And he landed on his feet. And I was like, I was in the down. I was confused, but then they replayed the replay, it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that was cool. It was cool. Um, but overall, it was a good, it was a pretty good match to end the show. Uh, what did you think of the show itself? Uh, And I guess this is us, me proving I'm not an AEW mark because I was not a huge fan of this show and that's two weeks in a row for me where dynamite has been subpar in my opinion like i've been saying some of the directions they're going post full gear are just not really appealing to me right so you've got sting darby allen gun club don't care best friend super click don't care brit and riho right now don't care um i found the first hour to be especially lackluster with nothing that i really found super entertaining right there were no standout matches to me on this show, and I don't know when the last time I could say that about Dynamite, right? There was nothing that I was like, like for the spectacle of it, the main event, sure, but like I don't think it was a great match. So, um, nothing, this wasn't a bad show necessarily, but I don't think there was anything amazing that stood out to me either. So, I'm giving it a, a B minus this week, which is really low for an episode of Dynamite, and I feel like they were just firing on all cylinders leading into full gear. And now they're kind of struggling to find their way a little bit after that. There, There's no super hot storylines for me at this point, aside from maybe like Danielson and Paige, right? I think that's the that's one that's about it for survived. me right now. So yeah, I was disappointed in the show. Still, it's not a bad episode of wrestling when you compare what else you could be watching um, on network television for wrestling. But definitely <laughs> a couple rungs below where Dynamite usually is. I was just thinking they definitely need another mid card title from the men. I think because like the TNT title is great and all, but I feel like it's really no, no absent. More titles other than a trios, That's the TNT it. title is just really absent. It's Sometimes. not on pay per view a lot. Like I feel like it's well, pretty. For a while, it was the one that was depend defended on Dynamite all the time, right? But that seems to have slowed down. A bit. I I would like because that was when it was Cody, and we all want to see Cody all the time. To obviously. be fair, Darby Allen kept it up pretty he did. well. Yep. Uh, and I, I don't know, I would like, I, I feel like they, I would like an Intercontinental title. I'm, I'm, they might be a little too similar, but yeah. especially once they move to TBS on Dynamite, they'll have to move the TNT title yeah. over, um, or out of there or rename it. 
which yep. I think that would also be smart. Because the television title can't be defended on pay-per-view, so I feel like if they add one more mid-card title, I think then that's, there's not much harm, because they do have quite a big roster. Yes. So I think they can sustain it, and then there's also that adds another title match to pay-per-view. Like, I think they do a great job and whatever, but I would like some more championships, and Trio's title is necessary. Yes. So I thought this was like a good-ish show, but nowhere near a normal episode of Dynamite. Yeah, I thought it was another good show. Um, There were uh, three matches that I kind of liked i thought the opener was pretty good i enjoyed stylanders versus soho quite a bit for some reason actually the night but that's not a i i i don't know i it was too i quite liked it for some reason um and i thought the main event was pretty good Uh, i think andrade carried most of it um (laughs) once again we had the one in ring misstep i think was being the gun club match uh because gun club sucks i feel like punk familiarity was fine a bit of a misstep but not nothing like Oh, horribly bad right um and i think it was helped because it, it um got followed by that uh the mj promo which is is never bad um no segments particularly stood out to me but some of the good ones were probably the rush team taz segment i thought that one was actually solid me too uh, the tony knees promo was pretty good baker promo was like average for her which is good like yeah. she's never really bad no i thought the mirror one was nice because that one was pretty similar of his but also it was a little different, so I liked it. And I would say it was kind of around your average AEW Dynamite. I thought there were three good matches that I liked and a few segments of note aside from the post-match Punk MJF segment. So I would say I would put it around a B. Nice. You liked it a bit more than I did, for sure. All right, so that's going to bring us into doing a little bit of the trivia in our next segment that we like to call Off the Top of His Head. We're going with 15 questions, a bit brief this week. Well, sometimes it's like 15 to 25. Depends what I can find or make. So we're going with 90s wrestling trivia. I believe it's all WWE. So I have options should you require them. But for some of these, I don't think you will. Ready? Number one. Who won the 1997 King of the Ring? Triple H. Correct. Ooh. The most in any decade in wwe history so this is just 90s the wwe championship belt was vacated how many times in the 90s do you know of any think out loud do you know anyone that vacated i don't uh, i can't and i lived it so i don't know i think it was vacated and then the 91 because of shenanigans and remember flair won in the royal right. rumble yes um so that's one i know Shawn michaels lost his smile <laughs> he so did that's lose two. his smile that's true um let me think. Uh, oh, it was vacant in 98 because remember there was the tournament that Rock won. I right. don't know There's why. Three. I don't remember why, but it was. Uh, I think Vince McMahon won it in like 99 or t- I think it was 99 or 2000. No, so, it was 99, so I think. So that's four. So, and then he vacated it after he won it. So that's four. Uh, I'll go with four. Four is correct. Yeah. The options it. were two, three, four, or six. Uh-huh. Very good. At which pay-per-view did Macho Man marry Miss Elizabeth? Uh, SummerSlam 91. Correct. My goodness. You know a lot of stuff from before you were born. Who won the reinstated women's championship in the 90s? Uh, I have options if you'd wish. Yeah, because that could apply to multiple times. Uh, Jacqueline, Ivory, Sable, Moolah. Correct. 
Okay, because it could have referred to like mid nineties, which would have been Jacqueline Moore. I'm like, really? Last name? Uh, this is an easy one, I think. What was the name of the British Bulldogs bulldog? Matilda. I feel like that's been in our trivia many times. Yeah, at that's this point. just that's such a weird like that's just. Here's a tough one. Well, I think it's tough. I shouldn't say tough for you. Against whom did Jeff Hardy debut? Razor Ramon. Why do you know that? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> I wonder how many times you could do. Someone could do a highlight reel of me just going, "Why do you know that?" <laughs> what was the main event of WrestleMania six? Uh oh. Uh, Ultimate Showdown. Which is? Hulk Hogan versus Ultimate Warrior. WWE Championship and Intercontinental Championship. Winner take all. Title, title, whatever thing. Yep. Out of the 10 WrestleManias of the 90s, how many main event wins does Hulk Hogan have? 10 in the 90s. How many times did he win the main event? You can think out loud. What's one for sure? 91, 92, uh, 93, kinda. Okay. Uh, three. Three is correct. My goodness, that's ridiculous. Uh, WrestleMania nine was the first mania to take place outside. What was the name of the arena? Mm. That's hard. Oh, was it like Caesar's Palace? It was Caesar's Palace. Nine. Goodness gracious. Uh, who was the longest reigning intercontinental champion in the nineties? Options available if you'd like. Hmm. Sure. Rock, Michaels, Razor Ramon, Mr. Perfect. Well, I, was, I feel like it was Razor. It is not Razor. It's Mr. Perfect. Oh, I was boy. thinking Shawn Michaels and then I was like, maybe Razor. I just watched a video of him selling for somebody in the 90s. It was amazing. Mm. Uh, who won the 60-minute Iron Man during WrestleMania 12? Shawn Michaels. Correct. I have his figure from that match. And he beat who? Brett. Correct. Hitman Hart. Uh, if you put S in front of Hitman, you have my opinion, Brett Hart. Uh. Two of the only people I would ever want to see in a 60-minute match, to be honest. There's not a lot of people I'd want to watch wrestle for an hour. There was him. There was Rock and Triple H. There's a few others there I'd watch. There was Rock and Angle. Then there was Cena and Orton. Angle would be one. Who jumped from WWF to WCW first? Ready? Out of this group. Scott Hall. X-Pac, Hulk Hogan, Bret Hart. Scott Hall. No. What? Who was in WCW first? Wait, sorry. Oh, Hogan. Yes, Hogan was already there, right? When he wasn't the, he wasn't heel at that point, but who broke Goldberg's streak? Ugh. Oh, um, large Kevin Nash. Yeah, I think because he was booking at that point. And, I, I and uh, Scott Hall poked Goldberg with the cattle prod. Oh, right. It was the cattle prod. Yes, amazing. Penultimate question. Where were the Bushwhackers from? If you'd like options, they are available to you. Is parts unknown an option? It is not. Okay, then give me the options. California, Alaska, Montreal, New Zealand. New Zealand. Correct. I knew it was Australia or New Zealand, and I apologize for confusing those two things because I'm sure people from those countries hate that. But where is New Zealand? Right near Australia. That's oh. just why I get confused by it sometimes. Oh, that's where my boy Jay White's And from. the accents are similar-ish. Mate. Right. Uh, last question. When Scott Hall and Kevin Nash initially invaded WCW... What? That never happened. What did Eric Bischoff announce them as? The Outsiders? Yeah. How easy was that one, right? Yeah. All right. So I guess you crushed... Wait, aren't you going to say, how did I know that? <laughs> no. Because <laughs> that one everybody knows. Did you? But one of the other options was... Dangerous jobbers. 
Yeah, probably. <laughs> exactly. Look at these dangerous jobbers. Look at these dangerous jobbers. Isn't that an oxymoron, too? Uh, oh, I guess so, yeah. Right? Anyways, that's going to bring us to the end of the trivia section, which you destroyed this week. Good job. And back to talking about some professional wrestling. It's weird to say, but it's going to take us now to talking about Impact Wrestling. All right, so I'm looking forward to talking about Impact, where you've actually watched the entire thing, I think, for the first Correct. time, right? So I, I was going to ask you how you felt about it, but I guess we should wait until the end where you can yeah, give your I overall thoughts. Even just like from what I keep tabs on or what I hear from you, I, I, miss, I miss like 2018 Impact when we went yeah. there. I feel like they had a great roster at the time. I was talking about it at lunch again with Marco Sr. today and saying that, yeah, we were there at a really good time where the yeah, roster like was... Yeah, like what they had... Lucha Brothers. Santana Ortiz. Yep. They had Cage Eddie and even Sidal. Yep. Oh, yeah. He, he was a manager, but still, like, yeah, yeah he was there. Cutting promos. Um, I remember Callahan and, like, Edward... Eddie Edwards was doing, like, the psycho thing, which he I was. thought that was actually kind of interesting because, like, it had that realism to it, right, with was the that, whole... That was in the midst of the Callahan-Edwards blood feud, That right? was after that, yeah. Or then yeah. there was, like, the Penta... Even, like, uh, Callahan doing the OVE thing, I... Yeah. I always thought that was pretty good. No, the roster was awesome. Though. Right, and they had a... I think Johnny Impact was just... He was there. No, he was there. We right, got pictures and, with him. Right, and, um... They had Aries. Aries was on his way out around there. Because I remember he was, him. Yeah. he was affiliated with uh, Karrion Cross and Moose. I remember that was when right. Moose turned Cross, heel. Cross and the Smoke Show were there. Oh, yes. Scarlet Bordeaux. Yep. Um, and Fall of Box. I remember seeing that live. And then we were part of Moose. Moose's heel turn. Yep. Um, Moose right. ripped your brother's side. That, that was fun, yeah. So yep. I think, I don't know. They, that was a good time. It was. Maybe just because we were also there. And but... it was maybe because there was no AEW, right? So a lot of those talent don't have elsewhere to go so they end up pooling kind of right, in remember lucha bros were like an ew almost immediately i remember like then it took until all out which is the third pay-per-view for AEW, and like the fourth event because there was fighter fest remember that one was yep. well that one was free it took like for like for the first few events for santana ortiz to go right. there like that was a fun time of us going to impact good value for our money especially once we befriended ashley and she started basically giving us the um the vip treatment we were, we for were free. vip the first time though i think right we didn't pay for it ever really she just oh right did it no because the first time it was because of the they messed up a lot of stuff confusion and they were just make. and then after that she was just I like hey remember. you're a nice family i'll just hook you up because she got us backstage i also remember that was when they were blue instead of red she got us like in the vip remember we even she even like because you guys were young especially your brother so all of the vip people who had paid and it's not cheap like we walked right by them because she was like, nope, you've I got remember. a family and you guys need to get home. Oh, right. And we saw Tessa, Tessa was right. there. We uh, saw her, Tessa and Brian we saw her win, the, win the knockout silence so young. Yeah, because uh, Cage had the X Division title, I remember. Right. And then she had the knockout title. So we got pictures and we literally walked by all the people waiting. That There's had that paid, guy who was, was we there with the pay. red hat. Yeah, red hat guy was there. He's there for every he, show he's in like Canada, always basically. There, yeah. uh, so anyways, let's talk about this week's impact instead of impact from three years ago or whatever it was. Uh, so this show starts with highlights of sort of recent shows as well as Turning Point where they put a little bit of focus on Jonah debuting for Impact there. Not in ring, but just sort of making Jonah an appearance Rock. So it opens up with Matt Cardona heading to the ring in street clothes to speak. He recaps his loss at Turning Point where he it was basically he hit his finisher but the ref was out and couldn't make the count. Then Moose interfered and speared him so he ended up losing the match. Um, 
he calls out Moose. Moose comes out in a dark suit carrying the belt, looking like a star that With I think... With his cool he, boy entrance. He's, like, probably the only guy who really... Like, the only time they ever look big time is when the lights are on. It's just a spotlight on yep. Moose. Because then it's just, like, it's pitch black, right? So then you can just make it look... And then the lights turn on, and he's in this And you're like, oh, there's a hundred people there. <laughs> right. And, like, even <laughs> the place... No, to go back to when we were there, even the Rebel nightclub looked better looked than the spots awesome are in now. Camera. They just look so... Like, that place looks small, too, but, like, I feel like... Tiny. They just look nicer. It looks really nice. The, their spot there now, they just they look so minor league, and they're probably one of the bigger um, American wrestling promotions, yeah. right? So they they just look so small time. Yep. Uh, so he calls out Moose. Moose comes down. Moose talks about Cardona, kind of putting him over a little bit, talking about him being a veteran and all kinds of digital On media NXT, presence. That's a bad thing. With all kinds of digital media presence, he has a podcast and then a room full of action figures, he not, says. Not the digital media champion, though. But then he goes on to say that Cardona has never been the guy, and he basically implying that he can't hang with Moose. He asks Cardona a couple times if he's really sure he wants to face Moose, and then he calls him mid-Cardona, which I thought was pretty awesome. That was a really good line, yeah. yes. Cardona dares him to say it again. Moose does start to say it again. Cardona slaps the mic out of his hand and then basically attacks him. Morrissey eventually comes down to help Moose. Eddie Edwards comes down to save Cardona, and I wonder what that could possibly lead to, right? Uh, Fatal 4 away Where's for Teddy the title. Long when you need him? <laughs> uh, what did you think of the opening segment? Um, I, I, I thought it was uh, fine. I thought Cardona's promo was fine until Moose interrupted, and the Moose was far better, I thought. Yeah, I agree. I, he... Thing. I think he has a bit of a lift, which he does. Which I never like. It's never their fault, but it's all. It always can be distracting. But he's really slow and deliberate. I think to minimize it as much yeah. as he can. Um, Moose was uh, far better, and Cardona looked pretty stupid the whole time. Um, the brawl and stuff was fine too, and it ended predictably. Um, I like how Morrissey always helps Moose to ensure a title shot against him because I feel like that's like kind of a that is the storyline. It's a cool, different take on the kind of moose's crony it's like moose has promised him a title shot but it seems like he's kind of stringing him along right and it's kind of like um is he gonna do it or is he not like cool and fish a little right now yeah or and i i like it's like they're kind of in like a they're not really affiliate like they're affiliated but they're not like a team really so i think it's kind of a different version of like kind of because because uh, Morrissey's kind of Moose's goon in this situation, Morrissey's right? whole thing is, I'm not affiliated with anyone because after I, you know what I mean? After he got released and had problems, everyone abandoned him, so screw everybody. Yeah, they abandoned him, my boy. So it's just sort of a business arrangement. Uh, I thought Moose was excellent here, but Cardona's, like, facial, his mugging and facial expressions. That was one of the things. He pointed that out, and I was well, like, trying, oh, yeah, it's not He's good. trying to look angry, and he just looks ridiculous, Or, right? like, he'll be, like, doing that baby face, and he's, like, he's saying, like, going, like, nah, nah, or something like that. So, to me, it was, like, you have this legit killer champion is tearing down, like, kind of like a cartoon character standing across from him. Oh, he, his theme sucks, He seems but... to regress to Zack Ryder here, and he I think is. in GCW, he's not, right? He's so I don't know why he has to... Like, flipping people off and whatnot. I still like the segment overall, mostly despite Cardona, although I think you're right. His Before he started doing the facial expressions, his promo was actually fine. It was just him trying to show anger was awful, I thought. Yeah, and honestly, like, I, I know you, you complain about, like, um, for example, uh, Eddie Edwards' theme a lot. But I do. The, I've heard it a few times on the show, and the more I know, Cardona's theme sucks, but It's not good it's either. So Moose's bad. is cool. Moose's is great. It's probably the only theme in Impact that I actually, like, it's good. enjoy. And, like, if I could find it, I would put that on my wrestling theme playlist. Well, and now Taylor playlist. Wilde's gone, because hers was 
awful. Right, they have some about. I mean, obviously they don't have the same budget. Like I think, like a lot of them are just like not good. But then there are some like bad ones, and then there's Good Brothers, good awful. One. Eddie Edwards, awful. Um, I even think like, or and then there's like some bad ones which I don't think are great. Like I don't love Swans oh my or God, the there inspiration. There was no Good Brothers this week. I just realized oh that there was the UFC guy in the uh, Good Brothers hat. hat Where so. this bumps it up to an A plus this week. No, just kidding. It <laughs> does not. Uh, we then get a violent by design promo. They're Addition still, by subtraction, you could say. Right. They're still mad at Rhino. Uh, Me and too. tonight they're going to beat Matt, Willie Mack and Rich Swan on their way to tag team titles that will give them the power and control that they need. Rhino will be the base of the monument of violence. And this is a warning to the Impact roster that there will be violence. What did you think? Because I've been saying these, these segments I mean, are kind of cool, but they never back anything up. In a sport let's call it where you have to wrestle other people i'd kind of think there'd have to be some violence yeah i guess so but they're they're going beyond normal violence oh, okay. i think so like dabbing people maybe Maybe could be that might be going too far but Burning you never know. they hit face. them with flags and stuff all the time Smack. that that is a little different break flag yeah, pulls a little over their different. head i mean i've seen it before so eh, that, i guess it's a little different yeah um i thought it was fine didn't do much for me i can't say i'm interested in them versus heath and rhino and like no. i remember you were saying like AEW kind of takes some WWE things, makes them better, like Black and uh, Tony Nese. Right. Even like Bobby Fish, definitely. Or like Miro. Brian Danielson. Miro's Miro and Brian Danielson. Or I mean like even just taking like similar gimmicks yes. and and uh, making them better. And then Impact, like for like example, Heath and Rhino takes WWE gimmicks and does them again. Yeah. Well, hey, they were popular kind of over there. So let's just Yes, do that. they were in, um, what was it? Let me see. When I started, 2016, that is when they formed. That is mm-hmm. when they're at the height of their popularity. And that was five years ago. I thought EY sounded great like he usually does. I, the, I always I always think his voice is so interesting. This whole building a monument of violence is kind of cool, I think. And again, this is my notes in the moment, not knowing It was what, shock cool. Not Yes, not knowing what happens later in the show. I thought... They're now setting out a clear goal, right? Because my thing is always they cut these cool promos, they talk about being so violent and dominant, and then they never win. Although I think the Monument of Violence line is pretty vague. Uh, So now I think this was giving them a clear goal. Okay, we're going to start working our way through some lower card tag teams like uh, Mac and Swan. We're going after the tag team titles because that's going to give us the power we need to do whatever we want to do. So I thought at least it's creating a goal for them. And I thought it would allow them to pick up some much-needed wins along the way starting tonight. But I guess we'll find that out later. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> right? And again, I'm go- I'm not revising my notes. I'm going with what I thought in the moment. Yeah, no, right? I do that too. So Matt Cardona then runs into Scott Demore backstage. And Demore, of course, interaction makes... interaction we never knew we needed. And he makes the inevitable tag team match for the main event tonight. And so if Cardona and Edwards win tonight against Moose and Morty- Morrissey, it was implied... <laughs> But he didn't actually say it that Cardona would get a title shot, right? Like it was. Kind I guess of, like maybe if you right. I don't know. It like, was sort of implied, but they didn't outright say it. So or it, I don't know. he builds momentum towards the title that shot. Is the most important thing. Uh, what did you think? I mean, this was pretty short, but uh, you, as Demora, it, it, as it was fine. Cardona sounded nah, and Demora was also not great. And I had no idea they would set this match, so I'm pretty excited because I, 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 this came out of the blue. I was slightly confused. Like, the, obviously, they were going to make that tag match at, in the main event. Um, I was no, a bit was surprising. I was a bit confused here because Demore was almost doing his smug dealing with the heel persona. And 
Cardona's not a heel. So that's usually the way he talks to, like, the heel teams, right? Like, he's sort of impatient and smug right. and sarcastic with them. Yeah, no, so Demore just seemed weird. I was a little bit confused. Mm-hmm. Uh, we then get uh, Rachel Ellering and Jordan Grace. They approach Scott Demore next about winning, or sorry, getting into the women's Ultimate X match, which is an interesting thing that they're coming up with. Uh, it's kind of strange because the Ultimate X is literally because it's the X division, but I mean, it could be a fun match. I guess we'll see. We don't know who's in it yet, but that's yeah, part of the I, I storyline here. I didn't even think about that, but I guess that doesn't really work if... No. If, um... Because that was the whole point. It's an X division match. Right, right. And, like, it was either, like, a X division title, X division right. number one contenders, like, related to the X division, right? I mean, I guess, like, I don't know. It, it is kind of weird. Yeah. It is. Uh, so, anyways... Savannah Evans and Tasha Steele show up. They want in the match too. Obviously, there's a little bit of tension between these two teams. So Scott Demore books another match, and it'll be a rematch, actually, of Rachel Ellering taking on Savannah Evans later on tonight. A match I never knew I needed. So I thought this was a fine interaction, nothing special. I'm not thrilled with the rematch because I don't think Savannah Evans has been great, but whatever. Any thoughts on this little bit? I thought it was fine. At the time, I did not know what the stakes were for the Ultimate X, but I guess it'll be interesting. I don't get Savannah Evans' nickname because uh, she's a cannibal. a cannibal, I guess. Um, and they are definitely not Fire and Flava. No, they're Fire not. and Flava. Um, then we get some recap of an internet interaction last week between Matthew Raywalt. You mean and an interaction on digital media? Whatever it was. <laughs> Raywalt and Saban, where Raywalt talks about how much he loves Saban's shirt. Um that says I am Saban because basically he took the shirt from Ace Austin that said I beat Chris Saban and taped over the I beat and changed it to am. So I guess this is the idea that it's like a work of art or something because that's Ray Walt's focus, right? Is he's an Even artist. It's not. So then Ray Walt basically challenges Saban to a match, I think, to deserve to like observe his art or something about getting close to his artistry some, in the ring. Some I weird guess. artist lingo. Yeah, and Saban agrees to the match. So we do get that match next, and um, so it is Matthew Raywalt versus Chris Saban, and I put fresh off of teleporting from Wrestle House question mark, which right? was a running theme. It really was because this idea they, is no they and a lot of the times they just say we're back from Wrestle House and they're House. supposed to be trapped there, right? Because I watched a bit more of Wrestle House and it's this idea that they're trapped there. They did mention like a reality show for like a while. They did mention that Saban would be leaving for his match. I did watch enough to get that far, and then I just couldn't watch any more of it. I couldn't do it. Um, so Deanna Perazzo joins commentary for this, and we get some fast-paced technical stuff to start out. A top rope crossbody a bit later by Saban, a swinging neckbreaker by Raywalt, and then he, a little later, hits his signature, like, dramatic swinging elbow drop thing that he does, and he controls the middle part of this match for quite a while. We get a jawbreaker by Saban, a stunner over top of the ropes, and that sends Raywalt to the floor and shifts the momentum. We get a running boot in the corner and a jumping DDT by Saban. Deanna leaves commentary briefly, gets up on the apron to distract Saban, and Raywalt hits a running knee and a fireman's carry powerbomb that looked pretty cool for a near fall. Mickey James comes out. She attacks Deanna to sort of even the odds here and sends her into the ring steps to take her out. Back in the ring, Saban hits a jumping kick and his cradle shock for Which, the I win. I did not know what the cradle shock was, but it was lame. People love it, but it's not that impressive. It's, I mean, I like it. It's essentially, I think uh, it's like a phantom driver, but... Escobar does better. And then he immediately hooks the leg, which I think is cool. But anyways, what did you think of the match outside of the finish? Um, I thought it was fine. There wasn't really anything interesting other than Waltz finisher. And then the finish wasn't great. And I think Saban should have lost. Yeah, I I don't 
I was kind of hoping that too. If Saban's tangled up in Wrestle House, I don't think he needs to keep looking strong. But anyways, I thought it was a good television match for Impact. I've actually been kind of impressed with Ray Walt in his last couple matches. He has uh, some cooler looking offense than I thought he did. Um, it'd be nice if he could win at some point. I agree, like with what you're saying. And Deanna, honestly, yeah, I just think he's probably more interesting than Saban. Deanna on commentary at the beginning of this was really distracting because. They were basically interviewing her, right? And she was yeah. super interesting and giving really cool responses and talking about the shift in her character. She's kind of going back to basics and she's not even dressing up. Like she was kind of like a very much a diva before, in ter- not like a WWE diva, but like she was always <laughs> dressed really fancy, expensive clothes and sunglasses and whatnot. So now she's saying that basically a loss is forcing her to like reevaluate and go back to basics. So I thought she was super interesting, but it was almost distracting me from the match because I was kind of more interested in listening to what she had to say at that point because she is awesome. Mm-hmm. So Scott Demore is backstage telling Chelsea Green that he will announce the competitors for the Ultimate X match next week. Alicia shows up just because she has to. She, I, I don't, honestly, man, does Eddie Edwards own stock in the company? Is he part owner? Because she uh, gets I don't know. so much time and I try not to be mean She's really, really bad at everything involved in professional wrestling. She can't act. She can't talk. She can't wrestle. But anyway, she shows up. I should get off of her back a little bit. I mean, whatever. I'm sure she's a lovely woman. She wants to get know how to get into the X Division match or the Ultimate X match, sorry. And Demore tells her that he will announce it next week. Jay Vidal shows up. Um, he's a local talent that has jobbed once in Impact. So he shows up. He wants a match, and he also wants to be on Hard to Kill. Demore tells him that he only has one match available and that Vidal does not want it, but Vidal insists that he does, so he will face Jonah next. I don't know, did you have any thoughts on this? Um, uh, The whole first ever knockout's ultimate X stick, and then you know, now it's the competitors next week. It's getting old. Like He's already said it like two or three times. Like, and they just forced him to repeat it here by having Alicia ask right after he told Chelsea Green. I guess right. they're trying to drive that point home. Chelsea but. Green was fine, and Alicia sucked. The, the Jay Vidal stuff was fine, I guess. I think he has a little bit of charisma, right? He's an interesting um, an interesting guy for an them. An interesting little fellow. To, to squash. So we do get Jay Vidal versus Jonah, and man, the the size difference is pretty impressive, right? I actually made a note that for an impact theme, I thought Jonah's was pretty cool. I thought it was was all right, yeah. And he's being presented much more serious than he was in NXT, and I think that can only help him, right? Because as you pointed out, he was always the... I'm the big baby face, big man, and I've been. You I know, mean, I think 40... they did fine with it, but like it, it was different, yeah. Because he was like, oh, the 14 years to get here, and I'm finally getting to the top, but now he's right, like. That was the of... whole thing. I remember when he won the um, North American title. Yes, so now he's more of a serious heel, which I think is kind of interesting. So obviously, he dominates this match, hits a jumping senton and a top rope splash with a really cool camera angle, sort of from above, and it's over. Uh, he then takes the microphone and speaks says that the wrestling world is talking about him. He takes over wherever he goes. He wants Moose. He deserves to be the champion, but he also wants to talk about Josh Alexander first. He keeps hearing that Josh is the best in the world, but Alexander has to go through him to prove it. What did you think? Um, I thought it was it was pretty good because I th- his presentation was so different from WWE, but I think it's still good. Um, he got his usual offense and looked pretty great because he looked like he killed Jay Vidal. Yeah. 
Um, the post-match promo was pretty good, especially when you consider he was never that great at promos in WWE. No. It was solid, though, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was an absolute squash. I thought his running senton and the splash looked really, really good. Like, they both look like just maximum impact, right? Um, and some pretty cool camera angles, actually. They replayed the top rope splash, I think, three times. And it looked really good from all angles. So, I, I think that means it's a, a successful match, right? Um, it mm-hmm. got his his finishing combination or whatever his signature moves over and he won i thought the promo was fine he stated his his intentions right and then provided a simple reason for attacking alexander the tough thing for me is like who loses there i really don't think alexander or obviously jonah should be losing at this point so i'm super nervous remember when i was fine with alexander having the belt for 10 seconds and then losing it to moose because i thought they could sort of work with that story and make it really cool because they had and now they're just like abandoning it and i'm starting to lose faith that they're ever going to go back to josh alexander at this point so my fear is they're feeding him to jonah to get a respectable win and then where does that put alexander you know what i mean right so i I, i'm a little bit nervous i don't know that might that would not be great i love josh alexander and i love the story they told building him up to beat kenny omega and now it's just like they've abandoned it altogether and i'm not a big fan of that because josh alexander is awesome uh, we then get a recap of the X Division triple threat match at Turning Point, where Macklin didn't win, but he also wasn't the one pinned, because even you saw the spot and thought it was kind of cool. Trey pinned both of them at the same time. Macklin got his shoulder up. Right, because but... I was curious, because I saw that Trey had retained, so I was actually curious how they did right. that, so I thought that was kind of interesting, yeah. So yeah, Macklin got his shoulder up, but Laredo Kid did not, right, and ended up taking the pin. So Gia talks to Trey about that, and Trey says he's a little bit disappointed because he had specifically said before the match that he wanted to win by beating Macklin specifically. And he says his biggest challenge has been trying to pin or submit Macklin because it still hasn't happened in his time in Impact. So Macklin immediately, a a vicious attack, throws Trey into some lockers, fights off a security guy, chokes Trey with an extension cord that he finds sitting there, and then security, like three or four security, get a hold of Macklin and hold him in place so that Trey can jump off of something high onto the pile of people. What did you think? Um, I thought Trey's promo was fine. I He's don't think he sounds fine. the best. He's not. Um, but, uh, Macklin's attack, I thought, looked pretty great because he Me looked too. pretty, like, killer and vicious. Um, and I, but I didn't, I thought it ended really weird. I thought the dive just felt, like, kind of Unnecessary. Weird. It just didn't work. Let Macklin look strong, right? Like, and then they're just all lying on the ground at the end, too. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad. I hope you like Macklin because I think he's awesome. Um, we didn't get to see much of him here, but I agree, like... His attack looked really vicious, throwing him into the lockers, and then it was just kind of like Trey recovers well enough really quickly to just climb up on top of whatever it was and jump onto the group. So I would have much preferred they let Macklin look strong here and sort of just walk away after he beats down Trey, but I'm hoping that they're going to give Macklin a shot with the belt, and that's why they're trying to make Trey look strong here, but who knows. We then move into... um, the most professional wrestler segment with uh, Brian Myers, and it is segment number 52, and it is titled Distance Learning This Week. So Zicky Dice and VSK are backstage, and they call Myers. Myers answers the phone and immediately wants to know how Zicky Dice got his number. So I kind of find that funny, right? Because he's basically their mentor. 
yet they still don't have his contact information because I think he just he's a heel and he thinks he's that much better than them. So Dice says that he got it from Cardona's phone and then Myers immediately hangs up. VSK quickly calls Myers back. Zicky Dice reminds him sort of in the background how VSK lost to Swan really bad at turning point or really fast or something, which I thought was kind of funny too. VSK and Zicky Dice then promise Brian Myers that they will take care of Finjuice. I thought it was tonight, but it wasn't tonight. So obviously it's in the future at some no, point. No, I think they said next week. Okay, makes sense. Uh, what did you think of this? I'd, have you seen Zicky Dice before? No, but I vaguely know who he is. And you've seen VSK on AEW, I think, right? He was on there for a jobber enhancement match, I'm pretty sure. I know he was at least on Dark. Promos mm-hmm. are not his strength, I'll say he that. He might have been on Dynamite. Yeah. Um, I thought Zicky's kind of amusing, but other than that, it wasn't super interesting, and they're clearly not winning. I uh, kind of agree. I think Zicky Dice is really entertaining and does a good job in his sort of... I don't even know what he is. He's like an 80s character. I don't know, he used to have like a fanny pack, and he's just an interesting character. VSK is not very engaging as a character, but I really do like him in the ring, and I think he's a good fit for Impact, at least. So Moose and Morrissey are then backstage. Moose wants to make sure that Matt Cardona doesn't get close to the title, and it seems like Morrissey's kind of losing confidence that Moose is going to follow through. And he's basically like, I don't think Matt Cardona's my problem. Moose lets him know that if Cardona gets the title, Morrissey definitely won't get a title shot, which is a fair point. Morrissey is kind of doubting that Moose will give him his shot. But Moose says that if Morrissey agrees to help with Cardona, um, then he will get that title shot. And Morrissey does agree to end the segment. What do you think? Um... I, I thought this was solid, actually. I thought it was good that Morrissey is kind of noticing that Moose is imposing rather than him looking stupid. Um, and then I thought Moose was holding up the title too much. Yeah, did you? Yeah. <laughs> I like that Moose is constantly, like, delaying Morrissey's promised title shot and that, like you said, Morrissey's starting to sort of lose faith slowly in Moose following through on that promise. It's an interesting story between two heels, right, which almost never happens, really, where two heels are engaged for this long and there's some sort of story going on there because they're not actually a team or anything like you said, right? They're just sort of a brief alliance right now. Right. So I thought this was another solid segment. I actually prefer Morrissey speaking to Morrissey in the ring most of the time at this yeah. point. We then get the rematch of all rematch. It's Rachel Ellering taking on Savannah Evans. And Savannah dominates early with her power, until um, Ellering hits her with three shoulder, tack- shoulder tackles, tackles to take her down, finally. We get a Northern Lights suplex by Evans, a Butterfly suplex by Evans, uh, then an STO by Ellering, but Evans catches a twisting leg drop off the second rope. Uh, Ellering tried to hit right after that. We get a kickback DDT by, by Savannah Evans for a two count. Ellering fights back with a baseball slide kick, a low cutter, and three consecutive sentons, but can still only pick up a two count. Tasha Steeles briefly gets involved. Involved, sorry. Jordan Grace chases her around the ring, and Steeles runs right into the ring and gets hit by a cutter from Ellering and then rolls out of the ring. So Ellering then picks up Savannah Evans on her shoulder, picks up a not the cleanest TKO in the world, but Savannah Evans is a big woman, so it's not going to be easy. But she does hit the TKO for the win. Rachel Ellering defeats Savannah Evans. What did you think? Um, yeah, I thought, I thought it was just okay. Uh, I didn't think either of them did anything that interesting or looked great. And the finishing move was, it looked botched because it was definitely not a TKO. Like, it, I they were going for that, but... Fireman's carry, like, stunt cutter or whatever, right? It didn't even look like a cutter. Like, she kind of landed, like, not, like, you... It, didn't it wasn't right. perfect, for sure. 
I actually like this match. Um, like, I would say it's a solid knockouts match. I liked it as strong. It was, I, it, yeah, it was okay. Because to me, this is the best Savannah Evans has looked. Like, I, you were watching it with me. I was kind of surprised by the Northern Lights and the Butterfly Suplex. Yeah, she um, did get a couple of decent things in, yeah. So I thought she looked better than she has because she has a really cool look, right? She looks like a legit butt-kicking woman. So I'm glad to see her she looks like a cannibal. sort of improving. She just looks tough. She looks big and strong and mean, right? So... I really want to like her, so I, I thought this was the best I've seen her. I thought it was a pretty good knockouts TV match, to be honest. Yeah. We then get Caleb and Madison Rain, and she's back. Tennille Dashwood, just <laughs> gone for a month or so, yes. with no explanation. I even looked it up on the internet, could not find out where Tennille went. But she's back. I thought I she had she, just... The, she said something about vacation. I don't know how real that is. I honestly thought they dropped her and she was gone. And they just like plugged in Madison Rain and hoped nobody really noticed or cared. But uh, Tennille's back. So Rain and Caleb sort of catch Tennille Dashwood up on everything that's happened during her absence. They mentioned being in Russell House. Because again, they are. And they escaped somehow tonight too. <laughs> but, the, but they're back. And they do let uh, Tennille know that the inspiration are now in impact. Dashwood immediately wants to see them. So I think there's a commercial. We come back from the break and they are going to find inspiration. And we see inspiration. There's like a close-up of them like putting lip gloss onto one another, I think it was. Um, I believe so. So we get a little bit of, of a tease of tension between Dashwood and the inspiration because they're all Australian, right? So the theory and is they, they know each other. they have pretty similar gimmicks. They do. They really do. So they sort of tease having tension, but eventually Dashwood and inspiration all hug. They're all friends, apparently. So Caleb tries to get involved in their conversation, and it looks like everybody's kind of leaving Madison Rain out at this point. Um, what did you think of this? Because that was the end of it. Um, I thought it was fine. I thought the interaction between them was kind of funny. And I guess, and they are pretty similar, and I guess they would have been in NXT or sim at similar times. Possibly, I think, yeah. I think they probably were, yeah. yeah. So Tennille's back. It looks like they're kind of now going to force rain out of that group i'm sure it's going to lead to a tenille rain program is what i would think i just find inspiration fun you know what i mean even when they're doing almost nothing like they were here they're just entertainment on an episode of impact so they're definitely not here for their in-ring ability although people i see were trying to say that their most recent match was really good because they did some actual like technical chain wrestling and stuff which they did so maybe they're getting better um but i just find them entertaining so i'm glad to have them on impact we then get violent by design taking on willie mack and rich swan because obviously as i said this is violent by design starting to string some wins together right on their way to trying to challenge for the tag titles absolutely <laughs> so diener and doring are the ones representing violent by design in this one and mack and swan dominate diener early on including a their leg drop splash combination Doring eventually comes in without a tag and just levels willie mack which i thought was a pretty cool heel move right like he just walks in and stops Max momentum by running him right. over. Like, what are you going to do about it? Then he does tag in and Violent by Design isolate Willie Mac for a bit. Mac fights back with always looks good. His pop-up forearm, such a simple thing, but I think it looks really good. Then we get a hot tag to Rich Swan. He dominates Diener, knocks Doring off the apron. Uh, Eric Young a distraction slowly, uh, sorry, it slows Swan down for a second, but not really. He just kind of goes up on the ropes and hits his 450 right after that and pins Diener for the win. So violent by design, since they can never win in a match, they beat down Mack and Swan afterward until Rhino and Heath run out and make the save and take out violent by design. Thoughts? Uh, 
Yeah, um, I don't know. It was just fine again. Uh, I feel like I'm going to have to bring that back now. It is back. You've said it a bunch already. Um, I thought some of Mac's offense was cool, but other than that, it was an average kind of short TV tag. Uh, post-match stuff wasn't super interesting and fairly basic. Didn't really do much for me. And I just don't need to see this go on. So shame on me for thinking Violent by Design might actually start to pick up wins against teams that don't really have any momentum. It's not like swan and mac are well they do now right i guess so so another violent by design loss after talking tough in a cool vignette same as always no change spinning their wheels i find just every week and then just a really standard basic tag team match right but it was pretty short like i don't think it was good it was just kind of a standard match johnny swinger and hernandez are backstage and they are so happy to be part of wrestle house 2 last week and then rohit Raju and Raj Singh Wait, interrupt. Are they just done it with WrestleHouse? Because they just did that two-hour special randomly. So is that like the entire WrestleHouse? I really hope that is the case. I don't know because I didn't watch like, it up to the end, right? It wasn't but on this like, show. But like, if it's so long and now they're all back here, maybe it's kind of t- like a, a coincidence, special right? For like, please. I hope I, you're right. That's a great idea. I, 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 I could see that being possible. But Me too. For you, but for your suffering, I hope it's not. I never thought about it, but you're right because they are all basically back so who right. knows um so rohit and raj are upset that no one invited them to wrestle house and just as swinger tells them how great wrestle house is lawrence d formerly larry something larry, larry d i guess larry d yeah of from triple xl right but now the other one is gone ac is gone so lawrence d interrupts so that's his suave sort of sophisticated persona if you will so raju and larry d sorry lawrence d get into it and, of course, it's going to set up a singles match between the two of them next week. They cough and choke over Lawrence's cologne to end the segment. Thoughts on this little comedy bit that Impact does so, so well? Nope. Uh, it was whatever. I can't believe Rohit's actually upset about not being in Wrestle House. Right? Poor Rohit. I'd uh, be upset about being in it. And I just don't like that Wrestle House is sort of infecting the regular show now. I just want to keep these things separate. Hopefully it is done as you're suggesting. Rohit deserves better than to be in a program with Lawrence. You need to figure out what you're doing with Rohit. He's awesome. Having him as a low mid-card guy, it just doesn't work for me anymore. He needs more attention than this. And they need to limit the amount of comedy they try to do because they don't do it well. So main event time, it's Morrissey and Moose taking on Cardona and Eddie Edwards. So Moose tags out right away uh, because he doesn't want to face Cardona. So the faces then isolate Morrissey early after he has a bit of power stuff early. Then the faces get control. They take out the heels on the floor on either side of the ring. I think it was um, Cardona's baseball slide drop kick thing. And I don't remember Wrecking what... Wrecking ball drop kick. I don't remember what Edwards did on the other side, but I'm sure it was amazing. <laughs> Morrissey gets control of Cardona on the break with a side slam they show us. He then shoves Eddie off the top to the floor, which looked like a really hard fall for Edwards. It was like... A legit shove. Sometimes, you know, when they walk up and they try and make it look like a shove, but the other guy's kind of falling back already. This looked like he literally just shoved him off. It looked like a hard fall. The heels then take their turn, isolating Eddie Edwards, using their size and power for the most part. We get a really hard double Irish whip that sends Eddie chest first into the corner. It looked painful. Moose then pulls Cardona off the apron to stop a tag, and the heels continue their beatdown of Edwards. We get a Cardona hot tag eventually, and he takes the fight to Moose right away. We have all four in the ring a bit later for a boot exchange, and all four of them end up down on the mat. I thought the Cardona-Moose 
like it simultaneous it boot yeah it wasn't they were kind of falling backwards you could see as the boots were coming i just thought cardona's really didn't connect right a nice suicide dive by eddie edwards takes morrissey uh into the barricade and then he's kind of out on the floor we get a uranagi by moose to cardona and he sets up for his spear from the corner but cardona avoids it rolls up moose for a near fall then moments later moose goes for another uranagi and cardona counters that rolls up moose and does pick up the pinfall win here so as striker signs off morrissey out of nowhere kind of drops moose with a big boot stands over him basically as the show ends actually no he stood over him then walked to the apron and sort of glared at moose the fallen moose as the show ended so what did you think of the match the angle to finish all of it um i don't know i thought another fine match like no nothing here has been good i didn't think it was very good a couple decent moves but overall nothing much to write home about and i don't love that cardona uh the cardona went over moose even if it is a roll up uh good for morrissey for kicking moose in the face though yeah, I don't think it was a very exciting main event. When Moose and Morrissey were in control, they're just so deliberate, and it was just basic stuff, right? I don't mind when Moose works that style because he'll mix in some cool-looking moves along the way, but when it was him and Morrissey, it was just really basic, slow stuff on Eddie. It wasn't super interesting. Cardona doesn't do much for me in general. It's just the same stuff I've been watching for whatever, 15, 20 years. And Eddie Edwards doesn't impress me a ton either at times, although he has had some matches I've enjoyed lately. So I kind of thought this was a lackluster main event. It was mostly to get to the post-match angle, I guess, which I do find the most interesting part of this because, again, we have two heels now, right? And they have issues with each other. So I guess we'll see where that goes. So your overall thoughts and your first ever letter grade for an episode of Impact? Uh, yeah, it was an okay show. Like, none of the matches really impressed me, and none of the segments were that great. Yeah. Um, but, but I don't think there was anything that was, like, super bad. Agreed. So I'll be nice and give it a C plus. Wow, all right. So I thought this was a pretty solid episode of Impact. I, I didn't love it either, and I missed... I, I want people like Macklin on my show, for sure. Um, all of the matches seem to get a bit more time than they usually do some weeks, and I liked the Ray Walt... Saban match and I actually like the Evans Ellering matches too I thought Jonah's debut was the squash it should have been uh, Moose and Cardona had a really good segment to start the show and the Morrissey turn on Moose at the end I, I liked as well no actual Wrestle House was nice but we still got multiple references to it which I didn't love so no good brothers is a plus it wasn't a chore for me to get through this week but I don't think it was a standout either so I'm giving it a slightly higher grade but in the same ballpark I got a B minus for me this week um are you willing to keep watching it? I guess that's the question. Um, I'll maybe try Give it, it again. Week. And then, I don't know. It also depends what we can find instead. Yeah, I mean, we could talk about Rampage, but then we become kind of like an AEW podcast, right? Which, I mean, at the end of the day, if that's what we enjoy watching, then that's what we enjoy ro- watching. what I enjoy thing. watching. So, um, anyways, we can talk about it and figure it out. So, people, let us know if you want to give us any feedback. Should we keep doing the kind of more in-depth impact would you rather we pick up like nxt uk or new japan strong or i don't know make a and suggestion if you to tell us. me to watch nxt 2.0 i'm gonna say gonna no happen. right um so that will bring us to our next segment where we talk about whatever we kind of want to talk about and that is any other wrestling business
So I'm going to start out talking about a little bit of NXT really quickly because I just can't stop. You really make me want to put my headphones back on. I can't stop watching it. Just You have to. I can't give it up. I've seen every episode Show ever. Show some self-respect. I don't know. But anyways, um, really quickly, really good opener. Best match probably of the 2.0 era between Kaylee Ray. She actually defeated Dakota Kai in a ladder match. So they went with the faces having the advantage, which is sometimes odd. I was odd. surprised, yeah. Me too. Uh, they both worked really hard. There were a lot of cool spots here. Um, Kaylee Ray finally got to show off her aggressive style and her willingness to pretty much do anything. So this was finally the showcase for her that I've been waiting for. She looked great here. Really good match between... Imagine that. If you let veterans that know how to wrestle wrestle in a lengthy match, it actually looks good. That doesn't sound right. No, I know. That is definitely not NXT policy, but that's mm. what happened here. Then mm, we get another... Weird. Oh, you saw this, I think. The really bad Grizzled Young Veteran segment. They're trying to break into the lockers. They're interrupted by jacket time, yep. and they all just start shushing each other. Oh, yes. That was, that was great, actually. I really liked Horrible, it. Horrible, cartoonish segment. Couldn't stand it. Um, then Cameron Grimes beat Andre Chase in a fairly quick enhancement match. And then, of course, Hudson comes out, does the overdone little thing where he displays Photoshop pictures of Grimes with stupid haircuts and no beard. Did you see that? Yes. And honestly, none of them looked like Cameron Grimes without the beard. Like, it didn't look like him at all. Like, I feel like there was, like, a bit of, But, like, it's just stupid. Oh, it's that whole, like, look, Photoshop pictures, ha, ha, ha. I think it's usually baby faces doing it, though. But anyways, of course, he settles on the completely bald is what he's going for when he faces Grimes. So, fine. We then get a vignette for another new debut, right? Edris Anafe, I think it was. He talks about doubters wanting him to fail as he grew up. He spent five years in the military, found the same doubters when he returned. He talks about, compares himself to Solo Sokoa being a street fighter. Um, they're not all that different, and he's going to prove his doubters wrong because he's going to take on Sokoa tonight. I thought at least this guy's not being given a cartoon character with one like distinguishing characteristic like everybody else. So I thought it was okay. I mean, I don't think he was amazing on the mic, but at least it's not like, here's my one overdeveloped thing that's all we're ever going to talk about. It was like kind of realistic, which is a nice change of pace. Mm -hmm. We then get, I don't know if you saw this, I thought it was a pretty bad in-ring segment with all of the members of the 2.0 War Games team taking a chance to talk here. I even thought Carmelo Hayes, who usually sounds good, I didn't think he sounded very good here. I didn't love it. Um, Gargano came out. Well, I mean, Truck Williams sounded great, right? He's awful. <laughs> Gargano came out, and he was really good. Um, he challenged Breaker to fight him alone in the ladder match tonight and to leave all the other members of his team backstage. Breaker basically agrees. So I thought Gargano was really good there, and everybody else not so much. But again, we're just watching them learn how to act in on television live so that's why kind of one of the reasons we gave it up right mm -hmm. well almost gave it up legato no, I did. then talked to mckenzie and they say they'll beat wagner and o'reilly tonight and we'll leave war games draped in gold sure you will uh we get another really bad msk segment to keep things consistent so they're uh, still looking for the shaman and they even make a joke themselves about how this has taken like five weeks um, and it ends with them knocking Three. on the shaman's door. So that's the big suspense. I guess we'll get the reveal next week. I don't care. They've spent five weeks doing this. And I still don't care at all. And it's Shaman, making... Shawn Michaels? It's making them look worse and worse every week. Who could it be, though? Then, uh, Triple H? I don't know. Wagner Bruce and O'Reilly. Surprise, surprise. Brother defeat Legato del Fantasma. And what was a decent match, I guess. But again, it's O'Reilly sell and Wagner saves him, right? So poor Kyle O'Reilly. 
O'Reilly's there to take offense. They literally and then made him look worse. It, he basically takes offense, hits two moves, tags out, Wagner dominates them. So Kyle looks, again, I don't know if this is real, why Wagner would choose O'Reilly as his partner. Because he does nothing. He offers nothing, right? It's all Wagner doing everything. Anyways, it, it angers me slightly. Mackenzie talks to Imperium about facing Wagner and O'Reilly. Or sorry, yes, Wagner O'Reilly. Wagner and Kyle O'Reilly interrupt, and Wagner ends the segment by saying, we'll see you at War Games, dumbasses, in his amazingly wooden, awful delivery. Um, we then get Tiffany's Epiphanies, right? So ah. she talks about how her daddy has always called her his little princess, and a princess should have the best, besides who even looks at price tags anyways. Her daddy says she can be anything she wants, and she wants to be an NXT superstar. So that was it. And I superstar. guess my news last week about them maybe dropping this character, because again, most of the people that watch this show are over 50, and they're presenting this woman in a certain way, but it's really childish and lame. And this is like I was talking with Anafe, right? At least he's got a somewhat realistic character, and it's not just he one still thing sucked. this is one thing she's daddy's girl and it's ridiculous and it's her whole character i can't imagine it's going to be good good but i guess we'll give it a chance so uh gacy is having like some i forget what it's called an inclusivity match of some type right and he's gonna oh, um he's gonna oh, damn it, i forgot he's gonna take on three people at once so one is really small, one is really, really big, who I've seen on Championship Wrestling from Hollywood before. He looked pretty dumb. Really big. He looks like a shorter Mabel, kind of, like he's that big. Oh, that's... He just got roasted. One and one woman, right? So Diamond Mine... Intergender. Ooh. So he quickly dispatches of the small guy, then the woman gets Was in. Was it Elimination, or...? No. No, we just got rid of him? But yeah, he pinned him, and then he's gone, and then he so faces... So it's Elimination. I guess so. I don't know. Who cares? Um, and then he's about to face the woman because like, oh my goodness, are they actually doing intergender stuff in NXT? Nope. Roderick Strong ends up attacking oh. Gacy. Long story short, as Diamond of Mine course. come out, Gacy basically lands a shot and then runs away. Solo Sokoa then defeats this new guy, Edris Anafe, in about four minutes with a Samoan drop and a top rope splash. So Nothing. I see that vignette was uh, useful. And he got they got four minutes, so that's a pretty that's a lengthy match Good by them. their standards. Nothing special. It was fine. Boa then comes in and attacks Sokoa after the match. Anafe sort of tries to make the save, but he gets taken out by Boa. And then Boa avoids a Sokoa super kick, but escapes there. So we get a show of respect kind of between Sokoa and Edris. So I don't know if they're a team or whatever. And I'm not sure what's going on with Boa, but, but we'll find out. who is the veteran? Yes. Uh, Zion Quinn is leaving and he's asked about the fight with uh, how the fight with Santos Escobar ended. I don't even remember how it ended. Do you? What fight? I don't know. Uh, he <laughs> says it's just the beginning. Elector Lopez shows up saying she wishes he wouldn't fight with Legato. And again, there's this underlying sexual tension between them, I think, is the point. But she appreciates Yeah, someone... what other point could there possibly be, right? She ap appreciates someone who walks to the beat of their own drum, right? So even though she's disappointed... It's a terrible... He didn't join the group. She respects his individuality. No, even though he he's not going to join with them, he's... She still thinks he's hot, so he she's That's okay right. with it. That's right. She says good luck with his match against Santos next week because he's going to need it. And then we get um, Persia Parada and Indy Hartwell squash two jobbers in like a minute and a half, so good for them. 
And then we get a decent main event ladder match with Gargano and Breaker. I thought it was okay. I much preferred the... Ron Breaker? Decent? Wow. I'm, he's pretty Christmas good, man. Miracle. I don't know why you hate him so much. He's he not... Of all of the new crop on 2.0. I hate him the almost most. Wow. Uh, so I much preferred the women's version of this match that started the show, but I don't think that this was a bad match at all. So um, a standard NXT 2.0 show at this point where you get... A good match to start or a decent match to start a decent match to finish in this case i thought a really strong match to start and a decent match to finish and then a bunch of just uninteresting to bad stuff in between where you have people you, that you could probably just uh save your time and call crap where you're basically watching people learn on the job and if that's interesting to you then i guess you probably like it but it's not to me so i would give this show on the strength of the opening match i can give this a c minus i would go to say if you find it interesting i would say you need psychiatric help i can move it out of the d range because of the strength of that opener so i will give it a c minus this week and then i would honestly say go out of your way to watch the women's ladder match it was really good i quite enjoyed it yeah even if they have a good show i don't even know if i can go back to this because they've just offended me what if like for two weeks i'm like it was awesome dude honestly it was awesome could happen then i I would think you're pranking me especially if it was in trying to make you suffer with me yeah all right what did you you wanted to make some predictions so we're gonna preview nxt war games because that's tomorrow and i'll watch that and i will not watch the weekly show because they don't deserve that i think that's fair um so team 1.0 versus team 2.0 that war games match uh i mean just the way things are going how is it not 2.0 right but here's the thing the baby faces always win literally every time but is it except for the first one isn't there like a mixture though i guess so but like you could i mean you said ellie knight's kind of a baby face and i done i don't know i don't know right it's just a mishmash of like people they i don't think they even i don't care i'll pick team 1.0 because i don't hate them i just think that it's the end of veterans winning things basically probably especially on a pay-per-view that's fair i'll take 2.0 i just don't i don't want to not pick pete dunn i also don't want to pick a team where braun breaker and tony d'angelo are on the same team i think this whole match is going to be let's showcase braun breaker i hate to tell you yeah i'm probably gonna hate it then yeah uh team raquel versus team mandy ah same like not the veterans so it's toxic attraction man they're winning they're that they're like this entire brand is toxic attraction traction braun breaker yeah, and, Va- and von wagner i would say so and, uh, i don't I see like them losing them. yeah that's so I, I hope i'm wrong i would love to be wrong yeah i'd love to be wrong because toxic attraction are probably my least favorite I, thing on the show and then tony d'angelo and then braun breaker i have interest in this match because it could be a dumpster oh, fire it could because what they just their whole faction sucks and then Cora Jade sucks. I just don't want anyone to get hurt, but I think we could see some injuries. Yeah, but at the same time, you have, like, there's actually more experienced talent than I thought. Because Raquel, EO, Kaylee Ray, and Dakota are Because the one toxic attraction girl whose name escapes JC me. JC Jane. <laughs> she's al- she's <laughs> she almost forgot. hurt herself in regular matches multiple times. Well, and right? but so, the other two also suck. Yeah. Um. Next. Uh, Roger Strong versus non-cruiserweight dude. Uh, NXT Cruiserweight Championship. Gacy. Yeah, I agree because and then I've they heard get rid they, of the two hundred five the I, cruiserweight right, title. They want to get rid of that, yep. which I think they're just they're dumb. But and they could honestly just because they think this whole um, woke 
character heel character is so great that they'll make it like the inclusivity title or something you watch I'm instead of it, it being like normal like an open weight yeah. title or something that's what it'll be the the, the the championship for all yep and we'll see where it goes but i <laughs> i think gacy's winning which seems crazy that actually could be a good match because gacy can work right so and roddy's awesome so that match has a chance to be good yeah um imperium versus kyle o'reilly and that thing for the tag titles uh it's i'm gonna take See, i gotta take stick to my guns and take the rookies well rookie take the mentor wagner and his, <laughs> and his protege o'reilly although right. maybe they it's could, tough because imperium just won the titles too although maybe they could tell a story and that o'reilly is the one that gets pinned because he does nothing he's in these matches. small and he's weak and wait and, and o'reilly's o'reilly hasn't resigned yet o'reilly hasn't resigned right. yet i'm gonna take imperium that's smart I'll stick with my youth, though. Okay. But I could see them having um, Wagner turn, right? And think that now I don't he's know. a single I think star. maybe they'll... Because you know they have no respect for tag teams. So if they really think that Von Wagner is like... And I think they do think that, then they'll get him out of a tag team. Because tag teams aren't for stars, right? So according they to them... They put him in the title match the first night. Just randomly right. took out O'Reilly That's and put I mean. him in there. So I think they have big plans. So I may regret that pick, but I'll stick with it. I and change what it. I assume will be the match of the year and the main event, uh, Duke Hudson versus Cameron Grimes and hair versus hair match. Um, I can't see either of them getting shaved, but I feel like Hudson would be more likely to get shaved. I Okay, you're taking Hudson? I'll take Grimes. No, I mean, like, I feel like Hudson would lose. Oh, right. I think I'll... Sorry, I will take Grimes to lose to get... I'm saying take him to get the haircut. So I'll take oh. Hudson. I just think that they want to repackage Grimes. I have this feeling that they want to, like, clean cut him up and try something new with him, that's which so I think stupid. is stupid. Because that's not him. I'm just assuming they're going to do the opposite of what they should do, which is probably a pretty... That seems to be what they've right? done the whole time, considering they gave Toxic Attraction all of them championships. Right. So... And they're booking Von Wagner to team with Kyle O'Reilly. Is so. that all the matches? Yep, there's only five. So it right. should be a merciful, uh, quick night. So that's going to bring us into our final segment of the show where Jack's going to update us on the world of wrestling action figures and accessories, I guess. And that is what we call Figuring It Out with Jack. I have only one thing. Oh, okay. Yes. That's fine. Um, so the only thing, it is actually quite interesting though, cause so we I'll have, I'll be the judge of that. We have, okay, <laughs> that's fair. Um, we have elite 92, uh, images, which that doesn't sound interesting on the surface, but just, uh, give me a second. Cause the series includes, um, Scarlet, which, um, it, remember it's the one with the crappy face scan. Right. Um, uh, Rey Mysterio and that orange and black one they showed a little while ago. Yep um and charlotte flair and like this like kind of lavender purple gear with the women's tag title newly I think I showed you. single which wasn't in our news charlotte oh flair. yeah <laughs> officially she and andrade are over good for him <laughs> right i was even saying like that doesn't even benefit him anymore right distancing yourself from the flair family in this particular moment seems like a wise thing to do and she's plastic um and then so now we get into the interesting half of the set because obviously there's six figures and i only covered three so we have rick flair nice which is kind of interesting because he's gone and also in controversy somewhat disgraced yes uh the burnt fiend figure because he's also gone so he's still getting right. a figure and despite like they had plenty of time to cancel it and he's elsewhere adam cole nice uh-huh. So in a his, whole line um, of people that don't work there. Anymore, right, half of the much. people in the set are gone. That's cool. Um, the Adam Cole's from uh, his recent solo run, like when he's facing writing, like the 
that kind of dark green with the gold lines. And then the Chase variant is Adam Cole from TakeOver War Games and the Camel Gear to kind of round out that the Camo Quartet for nice. the Undisputed. So that's pretty nice. Um, I'm surprised we're still getting Rick Fiend and Cole, but I'm, I can't wait to hopefully get both Coles. Because I obviously want... I will get the normal one. I'm hoping I can find that camo one eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll at least get the standard one. I've been waiting on a new coal for ages. Because I have the first coal figure from that three pack. But my the ankle has just been busted forever. That has driven you crazy. And I hate it. One. And I missed the Elite 71 in the Fan Takeover. If I find the Fan Takeover, I'll get it. I think this is probably his best one so far. The head skin's pretty good. It's like a smirking one. Since they, the heads are interchangeable now, I really wish they just would have included the Bebe head now. Because right. now you can just take the heads off whenever you want, so that's nice. Um, the Burnt Fiend and Charlotte also have the Ultimate Edition toe articulation for some reason. I hope they don't integrate that because then, A, there's no reason to get the Ultimate Editions other than for extra accessories, I guess. Sometimes yeah. they have extra accessories, but then sometimes they don't. And then also, I find the toe articulation really annoying because I don't find it necessary. Agree. I and, was going to ask you if it was. And it just, like, it makes, like, it's another flimsy bit in the foot. You know what I of mean? Of all of the, like, improvements they could make, I feel like that's a weird choice. Right. And I honestly, like, I don't I don't like it, but I don't care if it's an Ultimate Edition line because I probably, for the most part, won't buy that line like i only have two of that line and they're at series 11 now i have only two i have because i remember i got nakamura when we went to the SummerSlam shop right um when SummerSlam was in toronto and i remember got the demon ballard because it looked freaking awesome right and the only time the only way i will get another ultimate edition is, is if it's someone cool like i don't know like aj or seth rollins my dream is an ultimate edition seth rollins with two different pants Good luck. Or I suggested because AEW does, does the gear packs now because you know they have like a bunch of Amazon exclusive stuff like they yeah. have the the weapon the the weapons packs which I just got actually I forgot to mention you at did find um, one. Markville Mall Walmart they had the AEW barbed wire accessory pack so I actually picked that up pretty nice nice um and they have like the tag team packs and the rival packs which is two packs and they have a gear pack so the one they had was the jericho with the different jackets and i was saying they could have a kenny omega one and since you can actually remove the bodies you could have kenny omega three different pants you could which that's the dream because it's that's three figures dream. in one and then you have three different attires and i feel like it only works for guys like aj kenny or seth where they just have a million cool, cool looking outfits, yeah. ring gears yep. so yeah um, that's it that's it the burnt fiend looks super funny if you haven't seen it yet go to the ringside's instagram look at it cause it looks pretty funny nice and yeah and sh- the charlotte's born and that's going to bring us to the end of episode 72 so i imagine we'll try and get down here on monday night to talk war games right if we can watch it all on um tomorrow night yeah if i have to we should be able to find some time to come so keep an eye out for that it should be coming out monday evening or maybe on tuesday but i'll try and get them down here on monday folks And other than that, I really didn't feel like doing my Ring of Honor review this week. And I don't know if I'll go back to it because, again, they're about to go away. So I just didn't feel the motivation to check it out. I apologize. If I get an outcry of people complaining that they miss it, I would probably bring it back. But I don't think that's going to be the case. So we'll definitely be back next Saturday. I'm waiting for Tyler Russ to face Sammy Guevara for the TNT title. It seems to be the narrative. Thank you. So we'll for sure be back here next Saturday for episode 73. We hope to see you all back here then. And until then, take care. Bye-bye.